Welcome to the bomb hole, which is presented by the most elite smelling salt company, Run Through a Wall Smelling Salts. Now today in studio co-hosting, we got Jeremy Jones. What's happening? Not a lot. Really excited to be in here today. We're happy that you're here, Jones. Thank you. And then Silk D on production. How we doing, Silk? Doing great. Love that. And the man of the hour, we got Scotty Lego in studio. What's happening, Scotty? Hey, hey, not much, man. Happy to be here. Thanks for thanks for having me, boys. We are psyched that you're in studio. And then for our listeners that don't know who you are, uh, Scotty Lego has done it all in snowboarding. He's an Olympic bronze medalist, a four-time X Games medalist, a world quarterpipe champion. He's won everything. Filmed with Travis Rice, Danny Cass. Now he's an outdoorsman. I think that's what you call it. Uh, and he's a brand owner of Lego Snowboards, a father, and he's pure New Hampshire royalty. Now let's get into it here. Have you hit a smelling salt yet, Scotty? I've done it once uh, years ago, but I'm really excited to kind yeah, of let's pop kick, one off. Let's kick it off with a salt. You just squeeze it, right. give it a whiff. I'll, I'll kick it off here. Oh my God. Wow. All We're partying. All right, here we go. <sighs> oh, nice. That, was a, that looked good. Oh, yeah. Woo. Woo. That's good. How's my eyes? Oh, yeah, nice they're red, watery. They're watering. Yeah. No I got that out. double. Hey, I went. Yeah, good batch. And it's kind of like flashback of like swallowing like pool water, maybe oh, yeah. getting pool water up your nose, yep. you know, like mm, kind of yeah. like bleach. That'll happen. It's a great description. Yeah. yeah. Like I just had like a flashback like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could That's be good. good. I'm, wow. I'm ready, dude. Could be good I'm in the duck, lit- the duck blind for one of these. Give me a wall, dude. I am going <laughs> to. <laughs> I love it. Dude, I want to run it back. Still hanging. Because the first time I ever saw you was, because we're the same age. I was born in 87, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 87. 87. Oh, dude, okay. I didn't yep. even know that. Okay. Yeah. And I remember you came to Mount, oh, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. leave you hanging. Yeah. You came to Mount Snow for one of those big air shows, but- <laughs> Well, I stuck I it in like I stuck crying. it in a bull room. Bull. I went into a bull ring. I put each end of the salt in each nose. Then I tried to take a couple breaths, and it almost killed me. So, uh, just recovering. Sorry to interrupt. It didn't, it did, this it is great. Never this is all you. part of it. This, this is great. good. I got one eye just tearing up. This is good. One thing I just want to say: do not do what Jeremy Jones did for legal purposes. We do not condone that for any consumers of run through wall smelling salts. Yes, I went. I went that. rogue. I went rogue. Outside of contract, 100%. (laughs) So uh, I remember seeing you for the first time at this Mount Snow Big Air, and it was like a demo, Budweiser Big Air, and you were like the Grom chucking backies on like a 60-foot park kicker or something. Uh, What's what's going on with that? What was that whole scene all about? Yeah, that was um, was, was a show. It was like a 45-minute show with aerial skiers, right? So there's two big... Aerial skiers, like a, they call it, like the double jump, and then one single jump in the middle, like super, like the the ones the jumps on the sides are pretty much a half pipe, you know, pretty much full vert. Um, so we would jump. It would be at night. We would have the landing lit. You know, there would be a huge firework display, and we would draw like pretty big crowds. But um, yeah, I just started doing that when I was a little kid. I would hit the jump in the middle, you know, and it was super fun i mean like you're riding with like some insane skiers and some good boarders and like the landing was like all chopped 
right? You would chop it with a shovel, so it would be kind of like a like almost like a powder landing, like an actual aerial kicker. Yep, Ski, aerial kicker, aerial kicker. steep landing, aerial you know landing. Um, you were hitting out on a snowboard. Yep, yep. That's buck. Um, so yeah, that was called the Budweiser uh, aerial assault. But after nine uh, eleven, you know. We had to switch that name to uh, the Budweiser All Star Aerial Show, mm. and I did that for oh, a couple years. And I was, you know, when I was younger. Yeah, how old were you in that? I don't know, man. Maybe 12, 13, 14. I, dude, it's all. I don't. I have no clue. I don't know how old were you when I watched. When I don't. Know, I remember we were both groms. I were the same age, but I was like, damn, he's in the show. You know. Yeah. I don't, um. Yeah. Somewhere. Somewhere in and in, in around there. Were you getting cheddar for that? Hmm. I don't think so. No, I think no. I was just down to to be a part of the show and to jump. And you weren't getting paid for like I don't your. Think, I don't think I was getting world's paid, no. first or anything. No, no, I don't believe so. All right, quick interruption of your programming to talk to you about a couple things. First things first. Just went to Red Bull Heavy Metal in Minnesota. It was electric, and we dropped a recap of it on our YouTube channel. Red Bull Weekend Recap. It's on the Bombholes YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe. It turned out great. We also are doing a full broadcast of the event uh, that will air the 25th on ESPN2. Me and Todd Richards having full verbal diarrhea. It was a great time. We had a blast calling it. Uh, another announcement, we got new sticker packs. I'm a sticker nerd. I collect them. I put them on everything. I got a big box full of stickers. So we have a 33 Sticker, sticker pack. This thing's bursting at the seams, all redesigned. Check that out at bombhole.com, where you can also find information regarding the Bombhole Cup, which is April 6th and 7th at Brighton. It's our marquee event. It's our Super Bowl. It's the Bombhole Cup. So day one is a bank solemn. All ability levels. There's usually about 400 competitors is where we cap it. Two courses. Everyone from beginner all the way to pro, there's a class for you, so be sure to sign up before it fills up. Uh, we also do day two is a park showdown. So we have open class, which is all ability levels competing for product. We have a Grom class, and we have a pro class, which we always open with the mandatory 900. And then uh, this year we're doing a national anthem, which will be electric. Uh, we also have the limo. We're doing a rail over the limo this year, which will be really fun for the pro class. And huge announcement, we're doing a legends class for both the bank slalom and the park showdown. So that's going to be old pros or current pros that are over the age of 40 years old. So we got Kevin Jones confirmed. Been talking to Jeremy Jones, Seth Hewitt, JP Walker. We got Chad Otterstrom. We got all the hitters of our generation that are going to come out of the woodwork and compete, which will be very, very fun to watch. So be sure to check out the Bombhole Cup April 6th and 7th. Still looking into uh, military flyovers. So hopefully we can get a fighter jet to buzz the towers right after the national anthem. We're trying to make this basically the Super Bowl of snowboarding. So be sure to check out Bombhole Cup April 6th and 7th. And now let's get back to the show. All right, I'm going to change gears here, and we're going to get into a question from Jack Matrani, completely unrelated to what we're talking about. Perfect. Here we go. Dear Scotty Lego, it's your old pal Jack Matrani. Yeah. Huge fan, man, huge fan. <laughs> hey, I was wondering if you might be willing to tell the one of my favorite stories of when you pulled up to the bank 
And you might have put something in one of the tubes, and then there was cops involved. I don't want to give too much away, but would you be willing to share that story, please? Oh, first of all, hi, Jack. Thanks, thanks for the great question. Do you guys know the story? Did he did he tell you? I know the story. You do. <laughs> oh man, it's just so stupid how like this stupidest small little decision can turn into something so big. So, me and my buddies were coming back from like Mohegan Sun or like. Foxwoods or one of the, you know, crappy East Coast casinos, obviously broke. So we were stopping at the bank and I think we were taking out some money. And I think I had like a case of rock stars in the back. I was sponsored by Rockstar at the time and had some rock stars and like threw their ID in there, you know, to go pull some money on. I was like, hey, I was like, throw a, put a rock star in the tube. You know, we're on like the outside second row back, you know, figured, you know, it's a cute girl in there. You know what I mean? Stoke her out, give her a rock star, you know, to see what, the, you know, she was, see what she might think. So press the button, and then just like it must have carried so much speed and just hit with such such power and just exploded all on the inside of the bank, right? Like it just exploded and like covered everyone, right? But so <laughs> so we're sitting there. We kind of like know what happened. Where we all we we didn't really we weren't saying anything. We're all just kind of like. Mm, like pretty hungover, just like I think I think this is not good, you know. And with, there's no communication with with the tellers. Like communication had stopped, you know. We're like, hello, you know, like we're like <laughs> we're gonna pull some money out. Not even a thank you for the rock star. And uh, finally, so my butt. I was I'm, I was in my buddy's truck, and he had a radar detector start you know, uh, up in the front and we're sitting there and we're like, you know, uh, I think we're in some trouble boys, you know? And then all of a sudden the radar detector started going off and I'm like, yeah, here come the cops. And it woo, 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 like both like pulled in. And, uh, so we had cops on both sides of us and I'm like, geez, I'm crow. I'm like, well, you know, what, what are they thinking here? So I got out. Luckily I knew, um, one of the cops, he was, um, a friend of mine, uh, kind of small town thing. You know, he's like, I got you. I got you. We're gonna we're gonna square this out, you know. So I went in there, and he's trying to smooth everything out. And the people in the bank are pissed. They, so they thought it was legitimately like a, a terrorist attack. They thought it, they thought someone was like exploded some sort of like chemical in there and like attacked the bank, right? And here I am, just you know, sending a rock star in. Um, but the guy kind of smoothed it over. I ended up having to pay like a decent amount of money and. And cleaning fees but while I'm there so I'm still getting like I'm still out there with the cruisers and stuff like that out in the parking lot and my grandfather I see my grandfather pull into the bank and I'm like oh my god I'm like I can't see him you know here I, I can't I can't let him see me you know I'm here here with the cops you know so I'm like kind of hiding turn my back you know I see him like eyeballing over he goes into the bank takes like some money out or something like that and then here's this story um that, like, some professional snowboarder, like, attempted, like, some sort of terrorist attack on the bank, right? And I had no clue that he knew knew that. So later on this afternoon, he called me. I never answered. He left me a voicemail. And the voicemail was like, hey, Scotty, it's Papa. I just, oh, I just had the biggest scare ever, you know. I was just at the bank and some professional snowboarder, uh, you know, there's some sort of terrorist attack on the bank and he attacked the tellers and, oh, I was just so scared. I figured it was you, but 
Oh, so glad to hear that it wasn't you. Um, like, give me a call back. I love you. And <laughs> I swear to God, it was just like that. And I'm like, oh, and I have so much respect for my grandfather. He is a legend. I love him. And it was the toughest thing ever to call him and be like, Pop, it, it was me. I'm not a terrorist, though. I just, you know, had a lapse of judgment and thought it would be a great idea to give the teller a rock star through the tube. Um, and he was pissed. Um, but, uh, he, you know, he forgave me, you know. <laughs> uh, so that's oh, kind of the story. Yeah. Legendary. So that rock star went in. Not in the little it went in missile the, container, just yes. by itself. Yeah, it, it went, was it, the missile, <laughs> dude. No, it it went in the tube inside the thing, but it so it was in the tube inside the, tube, the carrier inside, case. And then I think when it just hit, like that tube either like either broke or uh, maybe when it hits, it spins or something like that. I have no clue, but it just like boom. I guess the tellers like said that when it hit, like it sounded so loud. Because, like, apparently it probably just carried so much speed. It was heavy, you know, one of the big big mothers, you know, and then just <laughs> covered himself. It must have exploded that whole case, and that's probably, yeah. you know, I mean, that's insane. That's yeah. so funny, dude. Yeah, yeah imagine just, thum, oh, she's going to love this. Just yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> dude, such a great idea. I just thought she was thirsty. <laughs> she looked thirsty. Yeah. Your intentions were good. Yeah, for sure. Like, dude, let's hook her up with a rock star, yeah. man. Yeah, such a great idea. That call back to grandpa, that's that's a rough one, too. Oh, it was so rough, dude. Yeah. And then you got the the thing is, is like what, what any energy drink, like when you see it out in the wild, not in its container, it is like fucking battery acid. You oh, know what I mean? Sure. Like, yeah, yeah. Dude, I've had, I tipped over a Red Bull one time, like burned a hole in the table yeah. at my, my welding table. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this it is like, it, I can actually see where they're coming from with that. That's how I clean my skate bearings as I soak them in Red Bull overnight. Mm-hmm. Dude, you ever take a piss after drinking an energy drink? You're like, holy, like lime green glowing, a Minotaur, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your New Hampshire roots. Where are you from? I'm from Seabrook, New Hampshire, right on the coast, right on the Massachusetts border. Born and raised, and um, I moved one one town over, and now reside in Southampton, New Hampshire. Mm. Um, yeah, about like two hours away from Loon, uh, but I had a little mountain called or a hill called uh, Bradford in Haverhill, Haverhill, Mass, that I used to go to, um, and then I used to ride up in. Uh, Quebec City, Stoneham, yep. quite a bit. So my mom's from Canada, from from Quebec City. Uh, so we would go up there during the uh, the holidays, and I would uh, do some night riding and stuff up there when I was younger. That's kind of where I like first saw snowboarders. All these boarders were like, I was skiing when I was you know five, six. Started snowboarding when I was seven, but when I was skiing, I remember seeing all these snowboarders like ripping down, and they're all wearing the same thing. They were all wearing like brown, like brown top, brown brown pants and they were like ollieing slow signs and like slashing and like doing 180s and I was like dude that looks so fun so me and my dad were like we would call them brownies you know like oh here's some brownies right here you know like the brownie like everyone all the boarders who were really good were wearing the brown like the brown right so like it was really cool to watch the dudes in browns who were like oh here comes the brownies right now you know these guys are sick you know they were like ollie aside do a 180 or whatever and uh so I always wanted to be a brownie, you know. Me and my dad was like, that was kind of our thing. Like, oh, the brownies, brownies are sick, you know. Did Pop, um, Pops wanted to be a brownie too? Dude, Pops, yeah, Pops got good. 
Yep. Yep. Pops got good. He was a brownie. I mean, you know, he wasn't like all in, all in, you know, over fences and stuff like that, but he could hold his own on the board. Um, so we started riding together and then even my mom too. My mom actually got insanely good. Like, I'm like, mom, you're like a 180 away from becoming a professional at the time. You know what I mean? Like, uh, how old is that? When, when your mother started, would you say? you could recall oh um like well i remember her like legitimately airing out of the half pipe doing an indie grab and i was probably like eight i was probably eight or nine or something like that maybe eight nine or ten or something like that somewhere around there i don't know how old she was but um i remember like coaching my mom be like oh my god she just did it like she just legitimately aired out of the pipe and did like an indie grab like i'm like that was sick (laughs) Do you speak yeah. French? Because your gra- I'm sure your mom speaks French, right? Uh, yeah, she speaks better French than she does English. Um, unfortunately, she never really taught it to me. She taught my older brother. My older brother can, you know, speak it fluently, understand it, read it, write it. Um, and here I am, you know, just like <laughs> go to family gatherings, just like, well, well, yeah, we we. Uh, <laughs> Did you yeah, finish? Good, good to see you, Uncle. We we. A lot of head nods. Yeah. A lot of head nods. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I mean, I can understand it a little bit here and there, but, um, but no, not really. Uh, amazing. Hey, we got a Patreon question from Lane. You want to tee that up, Silk? Yeah. I'm going to shout out all the Patreon members real quick. Thank you guys for all your support. All your support helps us run this thing. So thanks for signing up. We got a question from Lane. Tell the people about Capital Snowboards and what that was all about. Oh, Yeah. Um, you said from Lane? Lane. Lane Knack. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Um, dude, Nate, Lane's my, like, I, I'll just call him my neighbor. Not really. He's, like, 30 minutes away, but it's kind of a trip, right? He ended up moving into, like, moving right next to one of my best friends. My my, my, my best friend's like, dude, he's like, some snowboarder named Lane moved right next to me. And I was like, hmm. I was like, Lane Knack? He's like, yeah. I was like, what? No way. <laughs> so, anyway, that's kind of a trip. So Capital Snowboards um, was uh, a little uh, Grom Grom snowboard company that, like, my dad and um, the dude who got me into snowboarding, Scott Millett, kind of took me under his wing. Um, he, they, my dad and him, like, started a little Grom Grom snowboard company because no one out there was making um, kids snowboards at the time. Like, I was. I think like the smallest board I think I could find was like a one twenty seven Nyadecker, um, which was like like over my head, you know, at the time. Um, so we, yeah, we we started this this company called Capital um, with a K, and um, yeah, soon went bankrupt. I think like four or five years. Later, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they ran it into the ground. You know, <laughs> classic. Uh, no, but it was cool, man. It was it was cool. Now, uh, did you did you go to conventional high school or were you homeschooled for snowboarding? I was uh, I was homeschooled. Yeah, yeah. Well, I went to I went to middle school, um, and then I did this uh, this online um, homeschooling thing. But it was made for like parents to kind of be there with you, right? To like work with you. But my parents had. Were, was working full time, right? So I was like le- legitimately like grading my own papers, and it was just a very slippery slope, you know. Uh, so I wish I had that. Yeah, no, I mean, like I did pretty well. Yeah, I did you know? done, <laughs> I'd have done well. Yeah, I did pretty well. You know, sometimes I was like, you know, you grading your own paper, you're like, oh, like I should have, like I got it wrong, you know what I mean? But like, it's kind of a trick question, so I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and say I got that one, you know. 
But I actually never finished um, freshman year of high school. Um, I just kind of asked my dad if I could take some time off. Asked my dad and my mom if I could take some time off from school. And somehow he's just like, yeah. Like I was like, wanted to take a month off to, to snowboard more. And somehow he said, yeah. And then a month turned to two months, three months. And then I just never went back. I just kind of snowboarded. Uh, which is kind of crazy if you think about it, you know. Dropped like, out as a freshman? <laughs> yeah, as a freshman. Well, yeah, I'd never finished freshman year of high school. Um, so uh, still still learning to read and write and whatnot. But uh, <laughs> other than that. <laughs> We're always learning. Yeah, Scotty. yeah. We're always learning. Yeah. I found my way here. You know what I mean? <laughs> For sure. iPhones nowadays. Yeah. You know, you don't even really know to, need to know how to read. That's the thing, dude. Yeah, you know? Read it for me. Just type in. I just typed it. Siri, find me bomb hole. Mm-hmm. You know, you just so, got to learn how to talk. That's about it. Okay. Well, there now, you go. Now, now I'm going to be targeted for something else. <laughs> <laughs> You're communicating well with your yeah. device. All right. My phone just went off. <laughs> well, the good news is we actually have a. We're going to do a spelling bee, so that's actually going to be the rest of the show. We're just, just going to run through words and see if you can spell them. Oh God! Please, please do not do that. <laughs> Stack up the salt. Do anything. Yeah. Everyone wrong. Actually, is salt. Yeah. that's you actually a good go. Let's, let's hit. That's let's, good, but I'm not making that out of here alive. Let, let's hit. Uh, <laughs> let's hit run through a wall trivia. Hang on. Let's hit that early. Welcome to Run Through a Wall Trivia. All right, Scotty. So Jones will count you, and you got five seconds to answer every one of these questions. Okay. So it's kind of rapid fire, and the idea is if you get it wrong, you do a smelling salt. I'm right into the next question. So it might you might okay. be getting barrage. You might not have to so do. I any. just got, I'm going to get my yeah. smelling salts and ready. Yeah, and we're going to clarify. You know, it's a, a, a new one, a new one. Got to do time. a new you're salt not, every you're not time. Just yeah, I got you. Hitting the soggy I got you. old one. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay, here we go. First question: How many species of waterfowl are in North America? Dude, that is insane Four. question. I have no clue. Three. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, 27. <laughs> There's over 41 species. Pretty close. Okay, what snowboarder won the Junior Jam in the year 2000? Five, four, three. Uh, Pat Moore. That's correct. Wow. Nice. (laughs) Nice work. I'll hit one for that. What snowboarder (laughs) attended the Junior Jam in 2000 with two broken arms? That would be me. That's correct. Yeah. Okay, this is a four-part answer. When does a doe weigh the most? A, two years. B, four years. C, six years. D, eight years. Five. I would four, say, I guess, eight years. Three, two. That's incorrect. It says six. Four years, according four. to my um, oh. research. Oh. Interesting. Okay. The New Hampshire <laughs> license plate reads I gotta switch up my Live nostrils. Free or Die. What does the Massachusetts license plate read? Five. Four, uh, fucking Commonwealth. No, I have no clue. What the hell does it say? It says, <laughs> The Spirit of America. <laughs> yeah, I actually I thought it said I've the ever seen that. <laughs> I thought it said the Commonwealth actually. Okay, next question. <laughs> Spell Massachusetts. M A S S A C H U T E S. Something no. like that. No, Mass. <laughs> it was good in my book. I thought it, got I, it. I, was go- I was going good. I always just spell M A S S. Okay, Mount Washington. I don't have to spell the whole thing out. Mount Washington is a part of what mountain range? Oh, the uh, White Mountains. 
I mean, my research said Appalachian. Oh, well, yeah. But White Mountains yeah. is correct. Yeah. Well, they it are just, the White Mountains. That's, I have a more a um, fine, finite, finute. Yeah, more refined. Yeah, I'm, I'll refined. do a salt for that one. Ooh. Ooh, ooh. Okay, we're back. All right. At what age can a doe become pregnant? Four, four answers here. A, six months. B, a year. C, two years. D, three years. It is six months. That is correct. Nice. All right, this one's this one's a little tricky. What is the official state bird of New Hampshire? Five, four, three, two. Sparrow. I have no clue. No. The purple finch. Purple finch. Carpadocus prepper. Yes, I, I knew that, dude. I knew that a long time ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all that all that high school dropout knowledge is <laughs> high school dropout knowledge is paying off right now. He learned that pre-freshman, you know. What yeah. does, uh, what is, oh, here we go. Hang on. What glands control the timing of the rut? A, tarsal, B, pineal, C, pituitary, D, both B and C. Um, well, the timing of the rut is from the time of, of the sun, um, but the tarsal gland has something to do with the rut, but I, that's, I win. apparently it's both b and c pineal and pituitary i don't know yeah but that has nothing to do with the timing of the rut it's all from the um the amount of sun in the you know because the days get shorter and it's all based off of that so the glands might change but that's from the um the daylight activity Okay, I'll do a salt for that because I don't really know anything about these answers. What are you talking about? (laughs) All right, last question. How fast can a deer run? A, 10 miles an hour, B, 20 miles an hour, C, 30 miles an hour, D, 40 miles an hour. I want to go, I don't know, 30? It's 40. 40? Oh. (laughs) You know, not not an electric showing, but a couple couple wins in there. A couple wins. I mean, it was action-packed, I felt like. Yeah. I mean, look at my smelling salt pile. So dude. let's That's go back good. to question number nine, though. What is a rut? What are you talking about? I'm talking about a deer. Is, or yeah, the, the deer mating season, right? So, like, when does come into estrus, right, when they can actually be bred, that timing is all, is the same every single year, right? And it's due to the day, the the daylight shrinking every, you know, every day. So, you know, it's getting closer and closer. You know, the days are getting darker and darker, right? So it's all off of that, and it's all off. I forget exactly what it's called, um, but it's it's off of the daylight, and then you know their bodies change from from there. And yeah, got it. Well, hit, we're gonna hit hunting talk later in the show. I okay. got a bunch of stuff around that, but we have so many things to talk about from Olympics, the X Games, to filming with Travis, to all that stuff. But before we get into that, I'd be can interested. Can you team me up with some like? Uh, I need a confident booster after that. Yeah. That was just. What, what was your What was your <laughs> big break? Like you know, you had that that early you know Grom. You rode for Capital. You did the air shows. Is there like a contest or anything that kind of was pivotal in your early career? Probably the earliest song. You know, I did do it in USASA, USSA. You know, so in '99, I won six six national titles. I think like slope style, half pipe. Giant slalom, slalom overall. Um, so maybe that. I don't. I don't know. Was that the one that it used to go to um, New Mexico? What was it? Um, which what? Where that was that? Was national? In Telluride. Telluride. Okay. Telluride. Yep. Yep. Telluride, Colorado. So did you do Green Mountain Series? I did. Uh, I did. Yeah, Green Green Mountain Series. 
Nice. Yeah. Who are the dogs you're competing against coming up? Um, so, I mean, it was a mix. So, Pat, you know, Pat Moore was one of them. Um, I just remember, like, the Green Mountain Series was, like, packed with, like, heavy hitters. Some of, the, like, the best riders, like Danny Cass, Ross Powers, Kelly Clark, Lane Nat, Chris Hatt. Um, like, pretty much the whole kind of grenade crew came out of there. Um, Shane Pospisil, Alex Sorokin. I mean, dude, I don't even know. Tyler Emond, uh so many. I mean, the, the Matranis, uh, I'm, no, I'm missing so many people, but a lot of good riders come out of the came, came out Sorokin, of the Green Mountain Series. Sorokin was insane. Sorokin was so good. Mm-hmm. So good. He's such a chiller, dude, and such a calm human being, and then it even translated to his snowboarding. You know, mm-hmm. he was so... Yeah, he was re- really, really good. Yeah, I remember right, a little bit later, because I don't think you were in it. You had already moved on when I was doing it in high school and stuff, but, like, there's, like, Michael Goldschmidt and, like, and Louis Mike, Vito. Michael, yeah, exactly. You know, there was yep. the Matronis, like you said. There was, it was stacked. Yep. Absolutely. So then you went from USASA, and then when did you start doing, like, Grand Prix and all that stuff? Oh, I don't know. I started doing them way before I should have probably should have <laughs> should have been doing them um probably in like 2001 maybe something like that you know 2001 2002 something you know started like dabbling trying trying them why would you say it was an early start for you i mean isn't that kind of just the experience you want to get more i guess so yeah it? i would just play i feel like maybe for the first well, I don't know. I actually kind of had a legitimate chance at the maybe the first was that two thousand six Olympics, maybe. So I wasn't that far off. I actually had. I think I got a podium on that qualifying. Would you learn tricks in these events? Yeah. Yep. And you rode pipe and slope. I rode pipe and slope. Yeah. Yeah. I started, and then I just pretty much. I mean, I did pipe and slope for a while. Um, it wasn't until like the last, I don't know, maybe f- four or four years probably of my career, um, that, you know, I just focused on half pipe, but I feel like it was me, P2 Peronin and Sean were kind of like the last three that, um, were doing both, you know, pipe and slope. Um, and then it kind of just got too hard, you know, just like you really couldn't, couldn't do both. You couldn't be great at two of them, um, at least for me. Sean Sean did pretty damn good, and he even he, you know still like the best boarder in the world. Still like end up choosing one, you know, at, at the end. Um, so it was just tough, you know. It's just very very competitive, mm-hmm. as, as as you know. I think back on those days, and Jones, you can speak on this too. It's like there was a lot more ATV snowboarding wasn't so specialized. You know, when you think about Danny Cass and yourself, like you, in your career, you were doing half pipe contests and you're doing slope style contests. And then you're filming in the back country. You might even hit a handrail. Like it was kind of just, you know, compete at the highest level in all these contests and still ride everything before it became so specialized with like half pipe only slope style only, you know, back country yep. only. Yeah. What would you say was the, like that turning point of, I mean, you, you you mentioned the year of when you kind of started just focused pipe only, but was it in the events that you started to feel that doing both was too much of a load or was it in the, 
like it was pre events the, I think it was and in the, the practice, just trying to dial it all in. It was in. It was in. I guess maybe. Maybe a little bit of both. So, like, if you're at, like, a contest, like, the due tour or X Games, right, like, managing going in between slope style and half pipe wasn't that, wasn't that difficult. Um, it was just kind of keeping up with the progression, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what, what it mostly was. I always had a hard time. Like, in the film space, I always had to break my year into two. I had to, like, hit the street real focused, and, and bouncing back and forth was really difficult like the disciplines from street to backcountry and jumping like it was i had to do one wrap it up and then do the other i never really so that's why that's kind of why i was asking just curious where that pressure kind of started to build where it was just too much yeah i just wanted to be i would just spread spread out too thin you know and i i love slope style dude like i still love to jump like i love to jump just as much as i love to ride a good, good jumping style. fresh you know good fresh perfectly tuned pipe but um i just kind of chose pipe because because i think i was probably better at it <laughs> you know yeah. i don't even know you know like i love them both you know what i mean but um i love i love the jump so let's run let's run it back and talk arca sponsors because you wrote for capital and then you know was there a gap in between riding for flow and capital yeah so i mean you know i didn't ride for capital capital was just like that company that that my dad and scott millette started so i yeah. guess yeah i guess i did ride for them you know <laughs> what i mean but uh you know thanks dad uh, <laughs> thanks scott uh um so uh yeah i rode for rosignal okay um, and that was i was on it when they had a super heavy stack team i think it was like andrew crawford travis rice beeman uh, Jonas Emery, um, dude, they had all kinds of like rippers. Um, and I was just kind of in the mix. Um, but you know, I, I went as far as like getting a free board and then, um, c- crashing on the couch at their, their Rossi house at, at hood. Um, so, yeah. and then, so from Rossi, you went to flow. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. that, that'd be interesting. Yeah. How did that deal? Cause muddy wasn't there when you got signed before muddy became the team manager. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Muddy didn't jump on until maybe, I don't know, two or three years into into it. Is this um, a board-binding deal to start? It was a board-binding deal to start, yeah. And believe it or not, it's kind of hilarious. I actually had an opportunity for, like, Forum, which is, like, you think, like, Flow and Forum, right? Like, two complete complete opposite companies you know what i mean and like like no doubt about it i mean like obviously form so sick you know form like yeah the, i think it was the young bloods mm-hmm. right you know i think i had an opportunity to do that but um just everything worked out and just kind of lined up perfectly for for flow um so i decided to to go with flow and um and yeah i spent a lot of a lot of years riding riding flow and all right, let's take a break and talk about one of my favorite brands, ski Now, I just got my 2024 ski 850 Turbo. These things are ridiculous. Uh, they're so fun, it should be illegal. I'm not even exaggerating. I mean, I took it out the other day, deep day, tons of snow. I couldn't get this thing stuck, even if I tried. Like It's, it's unbelievable what they can go up in deep snow and the way they perform. I'm, I'm blown away. So if you're interested in getting a Skidoo, check out your local dealership. 
They got tons of models. They got the 850 or the 850 turbos, unbelievable. That's what I have. Uh, the thing I love about the Skidoos is that these days the the resorts are getting crowded, right? There's people everywhere, long lift lines. You're jammed up in the parking lot. The great thing about having a snowmobile is you can kind of do it on your own terms. You go to a backcountry trailhead. There's usually not as many people there as a ski resort. And then once you get out there, you can cover so much ground on these machines. You can just be in the middle of nowhere, find some great terrain, and have a blast. So this Skidoo snowmobile to snowboard experience is 11 out of 10. Highly recommend. And they make a bunch of great products for your snowmobile to go snowboarding. They have a link system where you can put a board rack on there that carries your snowboard. They also have fuel caddies. So you can go deep without running out of gas. And they have all these different cargo attachments. So you can bring everything you need to have a great day up in the mountains. So if you're interested, check out your local dealer and check out the new Skidoo 2024 models. They are unbelievable. All right, here we go. Let's talk master plan communications. Now, it's a PR agency that will take your brand to the next level. They have worked in snowboarding for a long time. Brands like Cole, 32, Etnies, and many more. My friend Ashton founded it. He rules. He's dedicated to snowboarding. He's just a, just a great human all around. They offer everything from social media strategy to web design, to brand design, to PR campaigns. They're all about strategic PR programs with measurable results. So if you want to elevate your brand, check out masterplancommunications.com for more info. Again, that's masterplancommunications.com for more info. And let's keep supporting brands that are run by snowboarders. Hey, it's Elena Height, and I'm calling in to shout out Smith Optics. Born from the mountain, built from innovation, Smith has been innovating eyewear and helmet technology for riders like me and you since 1965. Check out what's new on smithoptics.com and keep pursuing your thrill. Silk, you got a Patreon question? Yeah, we got a question from Benny Pellegrino talking about float. He asked, how is the transition to flow bindings and why do you think they have such a bad rep? I think um, the transition from flow bindings was very mellow. I mean, like like anything, right? There'll be like a day or two where you'll feel, be like, oh, these are weird, these are, huh? you know? But you get over that like two-day hump, a day hump, and you're totally fine. It was like transitioning like back out of flow bindings to regular bindings. I was like, oh, this is kind of weird, you know? A um, little bit like regular bindings are essentially kind of just a little bit less responsive in my eyes, you know? But just they have their pros and 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 cons but um what was the second part of that question why do they have a bad rap oh uh, i think they have a bad rap because uh you know when they first started they were just kind of junk they came out with a couple two models and they were just like horrible breaking and clunky and heavy you know um that's part of it you know people were like oh dude i tried their bindings you know they sucked and um you know people have one bad experience and they never you know they never go back um and uh you know and then just their their marketing maybe you know their marketing wasn't uh wasn't quite on point i might need a little more convincing than a two-day hump to stick myself into some flows <laughs> so let's let's talk a little more about that were you did you ride flow bindings pre-signing the contract yeah, yeah, I try. I tried them out. I tried them you out at, down. at Mount Hood. Yeah, yep. 
So let's let's just talk through the sequence of sticking that foot in that carport. Like yeah. that that's what it reminds me of. Like yeah. Yeah, park just, them in. Like let's get were they comfy? Uh yeah. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were they were comfy. Um you just kind of had to like get them like perfectly dialed, all right? Like find your perfect dial and then like weird little ways of getting in your board, you know, in your in your bindings compared to regular bindings, like face up the hill, you know, like boom boom. Um but there really wasn't that big of a difference. The it, heel, it really isn't. The heel cup would kick back, right? Yep, the heel cup would the kick back. back. Yep, you'd cup. face look up the up the hill, you know, up the mountain, and then throw in your you know your back foot that right, way. Man. Well, yeah. First of all, I feel like you you know you single handedly really helped make flow cool. Like snowboarders, we're we're judgmental pricks. Like we're like you know you know how it is. Like people are fucking your pants aren't right. People are like eh, that's whack. You sure. know bindings that are different you know, whack. And I was talking to Mason yesterday and he was saying that he, that those guys would kind of, they would definitely bust your balls about, about. Yeah. And no doubt about it. I mean, like I wasn't oblivious to the fact that flow was, you know, not the coolest brand. I honestly didn't give a shit. I mean, I did. Right. I did. But I also was just like, you know, I'm going to literally let my riding speak. You can ride it. You know, you know what I mean? Like, and that's, that's just what I did. Um, yeah, that's dope. But yeah, fucking Mason, dude, all over my ass, dude. He's like, <laughs> he would like, you know, lift up this, lift up my snowboard and be like, hey, this looks heavy, dude. What is this made of? Pure sequoia wood? I can't even sequoia lift it. Wood. Would you cut down an ancient sequoia to make this fucking snowboard? <laughs> uh, dude, he's so funny. You're the only so person good. I think of when I think of flow, though. So yeah. you, I mean, that company exists. Because yeah. of you, in my eyes. So um, I actually you know, just ran. To that. Oh, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. No, I mean, I had some great years at Flow, and I had a great time. And and uh, there with uh, Auntie Audi and, and Risto Matila, the pretty pretty heavy oh, like yeah. Scandinavian Risto. team. Yeah. Um, but uh, some some good friendships came out of it. I actually literally just ran into the president of Flow, the owner of Flow, this morning. Oh ran- no way! Randomly, yeah. yeah. And he's like, I'm like at this. Uh, I'm at the trade show. For uh, for my Le- Lego snowboards, and he's like Lego. I turn around. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, what? Anthony was good. Um, so it was it was good to see him. Amazing, Sick. dude. Yeah, I love that. And obviously Andrew Muddy. You guys forged and a great Muddy, team. dude. Yeah, Muddy's the man. Yeah, how was how was having Muddy as your team manager? Dude, ultimate. Like having your best friend, just like you and your best friend, just ripping around, uh, super loose and just awesome. Just tearing. He would just like. Any city we would go through, he would never have directions. He would just be like, oh, no, we'll find it. Like, nah, just tearing through. And uh, I don't know. He's, he's the man. I got a guest question from Andrew Muddy. Let's serve this thing up. Here we go. Hey, hey, hey. What's up, bomb hole? Let go. Congrats on the bomb hole. Cool to hear you on here, bro. Anyways, I got to ask you, man. After all the years of traveling we did together, there was this one trip where I kind of lost you for a night and I found you at the Santiago Police Department. Dude, you got to fill me in because it's been a while. I forget what that's all about. I forget. That's just one, but I'm scratching my head, too. And this new life of yours, man, traveling around, being a hunter, would you give it all up? Your whole snowboy career just to be a hunter? I don't know. I know you love them both, so I just wanted to know. Anyways... Take it easy. Be a good dad. Ride as a man. Hope you're doing well. Peace. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
I love money. Peace. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna answer the second part of that question. That's just. That's just too hard. It's too heavy. It's too deep, buddy. Can't. That's like a hard. Would you rather? I love you, muddy, but you know we're not gonna go into that. But this good story. It's a little bit of a fight story slash a fight story. Uh, <laughs> we were in Chile. I think we were maybe shooting a catalog, right, or maybe doing a World Cup there. Um, we were in Santiago. And we were out at this bar um, or, like, this nightclub. And me, I think it was just me and, no, me and Muddy, Huggy Bear, um, Brian Hughes, photographer, was there, Huggy. Um, and I'm rolling up to the bar to go grab a um, to go grab a drink, and I bump into a guy. Um, and obviously, you know, he doesn't speak English. I don't speak uh, Spanish, so I'm just like, oh. You know, I'm sorry, you know, and I keep walking. I walk into the bar and then boom, I get hit from from behind. He had just pushed me super hard. Um and I hit you know, hit the ground and I'm like, what the fuck was that about? You know, so I get up and I turn back and I see this guy coming at me and like it looks like he's gonna come in to to punch me. So I took the initiative and and uh punched him first. Uh <laughs> Dude, I level this guy. I remember just like I hit him like I hit him in the teeth and broke his teeth and his and his tooth was stuck in my in my knuckle right here. Um and then like right after I hit this guy, it was just a giant pig pile on top of me, right? All his homies just boom. Somehow I did not get stabbed. Because uh, there was another stabbing in that. Like when I was in the paddy wagon, no, the only like other American in there was stabbed. Stabbed in his ass when I was in the it was in the paddy wagon with him, and his whole leg was completely covered in blood. Because um, we both went to the hospital. But anyways, I'm kind of skipping part of that. So I'm at the bottom of this pig pile. You know, people are throwing punches. I'm just kind of. I mean, I can't do anything. I'm just kind of protecting my my uh, face at that at that time. Just kind of trying to cover up. And uh, I remember, like, looking up, and I'm just so pinned down. I remember seeing some, some guy just looking at me, he just smiles, and takes his whole beer and just pours it all over my face. And I'm like, you mother. <laughs> so pissed. Um, and then I just, like, you know, I'm trying to get out of there. There's nothing I can really do. I feel like there's, like, ten guys on top of me. And I just feel his hand, like, grab me like that, right? And then he just pulls me. I was muddy. Muddy just pulled pulled me out of the pig pile, right? And he, me and him, like, both, we snuck outside. I was missing a shoe. My shirt was all um, ripped apart, and I was covered in blood um, from, like, my hand and from the guy. Um, he's like, stay right here. He's like, I'm going to go grab your shoe. He's like, and we'll get the hell out of here, right? So in the process of him um, going to get my shoe, I'm out front, and I see the cops coming. And I'm like, I'm not I'm not sticking around for the cops, you know? So I started running down, down the side alley, Um Thought for sure they couldn't see me because I thought I had a pretty good beat on them. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, they're never going to get me. You know, I'm going to pop up over this fence and then hang here for a little bit. Went to go climb up over this fence and I just feel, feel these two hands <laughs> grab me. And then there was the cops and they ripped me down, threw me in handcuffs, threw me in the back of the paddy wagon where I met the only other American that was in the bar who got stabbed. Uh, yeah, like he got stabbed in the ass. And dude, I'm telling you. His whole, like, right side of his leg was completely drenched in blood. His whole jeans were just completely around. Like, dude, you might want to, like, stop the bleeding, man. Like, you know. But we went to uh, the 
the hospital where I think they had kids essentially training because I got stitched up by like kids. Um, I think it was like kids, you know, just learning how to stitch, you know, like, you know, doing their doctor training. Um, of course, I tried to, you know, um, bribe them to for him to sneak me out the back door. You know, they said they could and they pointed to the cop that was waiting right there. Got thrown in jail, um, spent the night there and it was just broken English just trying to explain to like the sergeant essentially that it was like self-defense, you know, and I was like, I didn't, wasn't starting anything, you know, like I was just like, I was protecting myself. The guy was coming at me. He started it. The guy could barely understand what I was saying, but he's like, he's like, we don't even know what happened in there. Um, he's like, we were going to a different call and saw you running. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we don't know why you're running. And then you were covered in blood and, you know, missing shoes and stuff like that. So we just figured we would arrest you. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, you, th- you think he let me out? Uh, so anyways, he did. He let me out and was like, all right, call the taxi. The taxi driver picked me up. He's like, man, he's like, you are lucky. He's like, you don't want to F around this part of town. You know, he's like. You're lucky you didn't, like, get killed, you know. Mm. I was like, bird. So, um, money was passed out. Still, went back to the hotel room, and that was that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. Yeah. What's the what's the liquor in Chile that everybody drinks? The the shots? Oh, uh, yeah. What Pisco is or Pisco? Oh, yeah. P- yeah. Uh, that's, is that Argentina? Oh, maybe or that's that Argentina. Okay. P- Pisco, Pisco sour. Yeah, what oh, is yeah, that? Pisco sour. Is it? Is it? Could be. I feel like, yeah, whenever I've gone down that Or is that region, both? P- I'm not sure. I just remember those things get you cross-eyed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Pisco sour. Build another Pisco sour. Amazing. All right. Well, that's these are we got some good uh two arrest stories down the down the um in the in the hopper already. We're rolling on this yeah. podcast. It's nice. Yeah. Getting back to some snowboarding. I heard you were invited to be an extra in uh White Air the movie. Um Jack told me that it might be interesting for you to talk about that. Dude, like the worst movie. On planet Earth, it's called White Air, and me and Jack are like backgrounds in it. I have one line. I'm like, "Good luck in finals, dude. <laughs> Good luck in finals, man. You're gonna need it," <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> it was produced by this guy uh, named Wolfgang from Germany, I, th- I think. Um, but me and Jack just had a blast filming. It was at, uh, I think it was at Sierra. We filmed, and it was like a week long. It was. You know, springtime conditions, super hot, just this insane production, so stupid. Um, but uh, we just, yeah, if you guys ever watched, it was actually in Blockbuster for, like, forever. And, like, me and Jack's name were, like, on the back. Like, we were stars, and we legitimately, like, had, like, a passing by scene. Like, good luck at finals, dude. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, if you guys want to watch the worst movie ever, look up White Air. <laughs> Yeah, it's a must-watch tonight. Did yeah. Jack do something where he spit food in the director's face or something he mentioned? I don't know if you remember, recall that. Did he? Yeah. I don't know, but I do have a kind of funny story out of that. Um, pretty embarrassing. Um, so we, we would film everything, right? Like, we would make these edits all the time, French vision edits and stuff. And this one time we were on the cliffs, like, this, like those cliffs going out to um, Sierra and South Lake, you know, that, like, windy road. Well, we had like a baseball bat and some golf balls, so we were just like cranking the golf balls off off the uh, off the cliff. And I had to go take a leak. Jack was filming, and Jack zooms in while I'm taking a leak. Right, films me taking a leak. Doesn't say anything. Right, I have no clue he filmed it. Right, so we're going back in our hotel room. We have like a bunch of people over, like a pile of girls over. Um, the hotel room's packed, and we're just watching us fuck around on 
on the uh, on the TV screen, right? And then all of a sudden, it cuts to my dick, just like full screen. Me of just like shaking my dick, like after I'm done peeing, you know, and I'm just like, oh, oh my god, it was like, it was like legitimately the best. Uh, I mean, the most embarrassing thing ever, and not my best showing of my penis either. Uh, so uh, it was, it was quite embarrassing. Yeah, that's not fresh out of the sauna, right there. That's like uh, cold temps, probably. Yeah, yeah, it was like cold temps. It was, it was not yeah, a good luck. A little bit of shrinkage, a little yeah. bit of shrinkage. Yeah, that's a classic scenario. Uh, what about uh, I heard the first Super Park in Breck? You went with like Mason and Ejack, and you guys got into Chad O's bar when you guys were kids. Oh yeah, Chad, dude, Chad's the man. Yeah, Chad. Yeah, he had a he had a bar. I don't for I don't know for how how many years. Yeah, handful. Yeah, handful of years, and we somehow snuck in. I don't know how old we were. Definitely under the drinking age, but we were drinking in there. And the cops came in and were just like, I don't know, kind of like busted the bar up. I'm not sure if there was fights or whatever. Rumor got out that there was some underage drinking. I'm not really sure. Uh, but I remember Chad like grabbed me. He's like, you're good, you're good. And he like hid me in like one of the bathroom stalls uh, until the whole scene got out. And then I always thought he was just the man for that, dude. Just like took one on the, ch- like he just laid it out there for me, you know, and didn't even know me that well, you know, instead of like kick me out. You know, he, like, hid me, like, inside his bar. Um, and I always had a lot of respect for him. I'm like, dude, Chad, you're the, you're the man. I mean, he is the man for multiple reasons. But yes. that is um, one, of, one of them as well. 100%. Yeah, that's dope. Chopper's goaded. When you'd ask him, what, why'd you shut down the bar? He'd always be like, too many free drinks. <laughs> Good reason. Yeah. That's, that's, go, out, yeah. go out like a champion, you know? Yeah. Why'd we great. shut down? Was, all my friends were getting shit-faced. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Legendary. Okay, so then uh, let's let's talk contests because uh, you're also world quarter pipe champion. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What year was that? Where was that in your career? That was early. That, that right? was yeah. That was I was young, real young. I think I was maybe sixteen. Th- oh, okay. Sixteen. Yeah. I mean, you know, Pat Bridges. You know, uh, world quarter pipe championship. Not not exactly like you know, doesn't doesn't quite live up to its title. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but. Uh, yeah, you know, world quarter pipe champion. Dude, you're looking at him, dude, right here, dude. It's, hey, don't don't <laughs> even do that. It's prestigious. It is. Now, it's prestigious. No, no, I'm I'm stoked on it. It was cool. So I got to we we got to go on like uh, the winner got to go on like a trip all around Europe to do like um, tour indoor ski dorms, snowboard domes, you know, and we kind of ripped around all over the place with Red Bull and it was super fun. Um, but uh, yeah, I just. It was like you had to run the gauntlet, man. Like legitimately, you know, there was a fire pit and um, people were hucking beers at you. So you would like rally through the fire pit, you know, and like cover your face, you know, hopefully no one one threw like a 30 rack at your leg, you know. Um, But it was just mayhem and it was awesome. And it's just very, very New Hampshire, New Hampshire-esque at that that time. It was was rad. That's like a pinnacle East Coast contest, like real prestigious. Yeah, like just... You, I mean, the the other names, Shane Flood did really well, right, before yeah. you, you got a couple yeah. wins? Yeah, Floods. And then nobody won after you for, like, 10 years because they didn't have it, right? So you're kind of, yeah. your longest-running world quarter pipe champion. Yeah, dude, I went for a good streak there. Yeah, that was good. I think Bodie broke your streak, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. When they brought it back, which I do, I hate to say, the original ones, I don't I don't think there was anything close. Like, those ones were just lawless. Yeah, they were pretty, they were pretty 
I think the pretty, Bonnie pretty, pretty the event is kind of a must-have. Mm-hmm. We need to bring that back. And I remember watching like a Tom Gill's trick tip. I'm pretty sure it was at World Quarters of how to take a piss in the snow and the bonus of like an Eastern Edge video or something like that. And he like, he's like when you're at a crowded event and he like digs a hole with his boot in the snow and then just lays down on his stomach and takes a piss in a crowd of people. Just do you remember that? Those like, are b- yeah. beach style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yep. Have you done that at the beach? Yeah. Oh, really? That's a pro- yeah. I, didn't, I never thought about that. Yeah, yeah. Just tip. dig a little hole, you know what I mean, and then just lay over and. Damn. Oh yeah. yeah We're learning it. stuff. I mean, you can just go in the water too, but you know. Yeah. Why not? Why not the sand? Yeah. I feel, I feel like, like I should know roll that. over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I used to take dumps on the beach. No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's talk CB Days. Now, CB Days is a wellness company crafting recovery products for athletes made with CBD, a compound from the hemp plant known for reducing inflammation. It was founded by snowboarders DCP and Frank Bourgeois in March of 2020. They developed a unique anti-inflammatory tropical called the OG Muscle Gel. This unique blend of 24 essential oils is designed to be fast absorbed by the skin and deliver the relief from CBD within minutes. This gel has built a reputation for speeding up your recovery time. The best feedback comes from post-surgery trauma, ligaments, muscular inflammation, and arthritis. Now, CBD's products are endorsed and used daily by many legends and upcoming riders, like Kurt Wastel, Bjorn Linus, Pat Fava, Ryan Paul, and many more. And even myself, too. I love it. Their mission is to help the snowboard community getting after it by offering 100% natural and effective recovery solutions. You can find CB Days at your local shops such as Wave Rave, Dark Side, Underground Snowboards, Snowshed New York, and other premium retailers who care about your health. If you have lingering injuries right now and love to try CB Days product, you can hop on cbdays.com and score a 30% discount by using code BOMBHOLE30 and start addressing your pain right now. Just head on over to cbdays.com and enter promo code BOMBHOLE30 to put your hands on the famous OG muscle gel, tinctures, and other awesome CBD recovery products. All right, let's take a break and talk about one of my favorite places, Mammoth Mountain. Now, they got over 140 features in their unbound terrain parks. They got some of the best park builders on earth, they got 10 parks, 100-plus rails, 40-plus jumps at any time, and a mini pipe, a mega pipe, which is 22 feet, and countless transition features. Now, let's talk main park. Now, that's where I love to ride. Uh, I was just there earlier this winter. The jumps are incredible. You're talking good takeoffs, good landings. It makes you feel like you're a better snowboarder than you are. Some of the best snowboarders in the world have really sharpened their teeth there, like Dusty Hendrickson. Judd Henke's, a lot of the best half-pipe riders train there in the world to ride their super pipe. They got South Park, which is really fun and flowy. You got Forest Trail. That's a good warm-up. Some smaller features. You might catch some old heads in there. You might catch Todd Richards banging him over the head with a cab five. You never know. And then the mountain itself is incredible. If you you catch it on a powder day and you know where to go, you can get rowdy. And then if you just want to rip groomers... You got yourself a nice directional board and you want to lay down some carbs. It's a great place. They got beginner parks. They got intermediate parks. Mammoth Mountain has a ton of terrain for any ability level. 
great place to go if you want to have a vacation and get into some snowboarding. So highly recommend Mammoth Mountain. If you're looking for a vacation, check it out. All right, let's get into some contest talk here. You had a pretty long run of like contest, you know, great results for a number of years. And I didn't even know this, but one of the U.S. Opens, you won a car. You got like every, what did you get? You get one of those Volvos? Yeah, I got a Volvo XC60. I still got it. Sick. No way. 250,000 on it. Still going strong. Damn. That's boss. But uh, I think I'm going to have to put it up for sale, you know. My my intention was to run it into the ground, and it's pretty much into the ground. Still going strong, but you know there's some stuff I need to fix on it. But so you got a yeah, yeah getting a car that's insane. Yeah, I won a uh, you won that. I won I won a Harley mm. out of hood. Abominable wow. snow jam. Yeah, abominable snow jam. Yep. I won uh, a truck out in Japan, but I couldn't take it home, so it was fifty thousand, which I was happy to take that as well. Heck yeah, that ain't bad. How'd you bring that fifty thousand back? Brought it back, <laughs> cash. Yeah, stuffed it in and then, boots. And then it went right up. to we. I uh, was riding for Smith at the time, and we were doing a shoot, a photo shoot up at Smiley Creek in um, outside of uh, Ketchum. And I had like fifty thousand dollars in cash with me. You know, we're staying in this little shack. I'm like, dude, I I need to go old school. I need to like bury this thing. You know, like I didn't trust anyone. You know, so I just kind of found like a little secret spot to stash it in, in the cabin when we were out filming and stuff but um yeah is that when you did i was watching all your footage man i was looking at backcountry clips dude some shit that still i don't even know has been done like switch double back rodeo 1080 didn't yep. you do that at smiley creek yep yep dude insane. i don't think anybody's done that since and that was like over 10 years ago right that's the one that i tried to do and i broke my jaw yeah yep i did it once at smiley creek and then i'm like oh on jawbreaker I guess they're calling a jawbreaker now. I don't. I haven't been back, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would totally hit that jump again. That jump was awesome. But uh, that's what I was going for after I landed front double ten, and then I'm like, oh, I definitely got switched double back rodeo ten. You know, and if you look at the footage, I was pretty damn close. You, just, you landed. <laughs> you landed in a hole. Landed in a bomb hole. Yes. Landed in a bomb hole, dude. Um, and I just it. never saw it. You know, I just never saw the the bomb hole. So. And that thing was a jacker. So you, like, dropped out of the sky in that Yeah, hole. but I love jumps like that. I love jumps that shoot you straight up and straight down. Because usually the ragdolls aren't as bad, you know, as long as you're not hitting the, you know. Like, I hate, like, missile skimmers, you know. I love the jumps that you just super floaty. So that, or, was, that, was, that was a dream jump for me. Instead of a high-speed Tommy, more of a knee-to-the-face kind of jump. More, yeah, exactly. I'm, yeah. Kind of, I'm kind of the knee-to-the-face type guy. Well, let's talk about that. So you got to film with Travis Rice. You got the call. Uh, I know we're jumping ahead in no chronological order, but if we're speaking of Jawbreaker, you went and filmed with him for Art of Flight. Were you in Community Project the year before, too? Or no, just start with Art of Flight? No, I uh, started with, um, no, there was, uh, what the hell? We're missing one. That's it, that's all? That's it, that's all. Yeah, this is your first, first video one. part. Yeah, that's it, that's all. Um, no, I would filmed a little bit here and there before I don't Maybe with Transworld, I think, before then. Um, maybe the Bone Age was before then, I can't then remember too. the order. I think you're right, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, we filmed that a little bit for uh, That's It, That's All out in New Zealand. Um, I got some clips, and then um, and then the Art of Flight. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about you break your jaw 
And then I remember that that was a huge moment for your career because then you went to X Games. We got a Patreon question about that. Run up our Patreon members. Yeah, we got a question from John. It says, Scotty, what was it like to win your first X Games gold with your jaw wired shut? Um, yeah, it was cool, man. I was I was really excited. I really didn't think I was going to go to X Games. Um, I was supposed to. I mean, I was not supposed to, right? But really, it came down to my jaw wasn't going to heal. Um, so there was no, like, really healing process. It broke in two different spots. And there's, they couldn't do surgery on it. I got it checked out a million different times, and no one would touch it. It's still broken. It's still not, you know, attached here. So when I open my jaw, it just goes off to the side, you know. So I had to, like, totally mess my bite up. I had to, like, do a lot of a lot of work with my teeth to get everything kind of lined up. It's still not, you know, lined up properly, but, um, it was really cool, man. Going right from there. I had lost a lot of weight, uh, cause my jaw was wired shut and the only thing I can get through was just literally through the cracks of my teeth. So it's like anything they would get through. So it was just all liquid. So I'd lost like just like 15 pounds in like 12 days or something like that. So like when I show up at XM, people are like, dude, Dude, you're looking skinny. And I'm like, I know, dude. I'm trying to eat. Um, but uh, I guess it was good fighting weight, you know, because I ended up doing well, you know. Uh, ended up winning. Well, I got a gold and uh, best method, um, which is like a voting voting thing. And then I got, I think I got a silver in, in pipe um, that year. Amazing. Yeah, it yeah. was cool, man. But it was it was kind of like everyone they really weren't sure if they were going to let me do it or not because it was a pretty pretty dangerous situation. If I were to ever hit my head and I had to throw up or something like that, sometimes that happens. Like if you ever hit your head, you have to vomit, right? I could like you know I could essentially drown in my own fucking throw up, you know. So they had to have someone like at the top of the pipe and the bottom of the pipe wherever I was, like with like uh, wire cutters in case you know I needed to throw up. They would just be there ready to, to chop away at it. So, um, yeah, kind, yeah. Of, kind of weird. A couple things on the – I mean, the performance actually makes some sense to me with that wired shut. The weight's crazy because that's an adjustment that your body has to make. But the when you're wired shut like that, it's basically like having a mouth guard in and your jaw's really aligned and in its proper place. You have so many nerves running through there. So your body and your performance physically – probably was matching up pretty pretty good when you were wired shut, which is kind of rad. Yeah. Um, what was the other part of that? I for, Oh, yeah, the throw-up part. So there's not, like, a quick release for yourself. Like, if you start throwing up in the middle of the night, you can't, like, mm-hmm. quick release that. Did no. you carry around wire cutters? I didn't, no, because I just really wasn't worried about it. I don't know, you know. Um, I don't know why I wasn't worried, or maybe I would just – find something in, it must in a have pinch been for like six um, weeks or something you're wired up yeah so i actually knew it wasn't for that long because initially i got wired up and they're like we're gonna let this thing heal but really there was nothing to heal it was just mm. too far separated so they're like there's no there's no point if you're not gonna get surgery there's no point to have your jaw wired shut because the bones aren't aren't touching you know they're not gonna they're not gonna um they're not gonna heal anyway so i had it wired shut they were not that long i don't even know maybe like I don't know, two weeks, two and a half weeks or something like that. So 
I heard a funny story that you were messing with somebody interviewing you and you pre- pretended you couldn't talk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they asked me a question and I was just like, it's kind of like, what do you think of like the, you know, the course out there today? I was like, oh, it's just pretty good. It's a little windy out there. It's a good competition, though. I'm going to talk your shit down. And like the interviewer is just like, Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, and then I'm like, oh, no, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. You can talk pretty well. I was well. like, oh, I'm just messing with you. I can actually speak pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That's Legendary. Good. Now, going back to Art of Flight, you're a maniac. Travis is a certified maniac. Travis is a certified maniac. You guys getting together, building some jackers. What was that like? Um, well, just filming with Travis was always absolutely terrifying because... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not for, like, the jumps. Like, I was down for the jumps. Like, absolutely. Like, I knew where I was taking off, and I knew where I was landing, right? Like, as far as, like, backcountry lines and stuff like that, and, like, scoping it from a helicopter and be like, you get, like, one second to look at it and be like, all right, that looks good. All right. Like, we're going to drop you off right there. And, like, sometimes, like, the chopper would, like, drop me off, and I'd be like, I don't even know where. Am I going down the north side or the south side? (laughs) (laughs) Like... I'm already like, lost. Hey, I'm already lost. Hey, Travis, I'm mid-run right now. I know you guys are filming, but uh, this 15-foot cliff that I thought was actually, it's actually 150 foot. Um, so I kind of made a miscalculation there, so that's my bad. But if you wouldn't mind just kind of long-lining me out of here, uh, kinda in my, I'm kind of in a pickle here. Uh, no, uh, so like he just had so much experience in the backcountry. You know, it's like I'm from New Hampshire, and it's like I don't really, I, did, I just didn't get that. You know, I didn't have, I didn't have the vision for that. You know who's amazing? Like, he's amazing at finding the hits and how everything flows. But I think the, maybe one of the most impressive people to that I ever wrote was uh, Nicholas Mueller. Um, and watching him work in the backcountry, I'm just like, dude, blown away, man. He's so good. He's so, so good. I mean, obviously, Travis is so, so good, too. But I think t- t- two of the greats, but... Uh, watching him pick this stuff apart and like I would be looking at a face for like five minutes and be like and like so is Mueller and we're like Mueller what are you seeing dude you you got anything for me (laughs) you know and he'd be like yeah man I would go do that and I was like oh okay yeah that's a great idea thank you man (laughs) do you mind can I go I can go do that that's cool um so he's just impressive he's just he's just unbelievable but so is this the is this the first kind of experience into, I mean, you'd filmed a, a couple little video parts and then you're hitting into this, these Travis films and that's like, I mean, full exposure. So is this kind of the enter entrance into that space and no, kind of seeing it? Not really. No, I've been like in the backcountry for, you know, I've had some experience, but just not to their level. Right, sure, not yeah. to like the Travis Rice, Mueller, you know, like that's their, you know, it's like Rice grew up in Jackson Hole, you know what I mean? Um, surrounded by the by the big mountains, um, just not on that level at all, you know, not being able to see what they're seeing, um, and we're just totally on two different wavelengths, you know, mm-hmm. and so like he would be like, all right, dude, like Lego, you seeing that? Like, and I'm just like, no, dude, like I'm not, like help me out, you know, I need you to like literally draw it out, you know. Um, so that was like challenging for me, just the, the visual aspect of like picking the lines and stuff like that. Um, but I'd had, you know, I'd had experience in the backcountry, and, and, you know, knew how to ride powder 
wasn't really good at making lines look good at all. That's why you'll you'll see zero lines in in all my footage. But um, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, park can prepare. If you had a million park jumps, and you ride slope style. You put these park guys on a wedge, like anybody. Your air awareness, your fundamentals, you're like you guys are good. But there's nothing that really there's nothing that really prepares you for a big mountain line. Like you can't just you, you experience. That's it. Totally. Yeah, you just I think you just need experience, you know. I look back at some of my stuff, I'm just like, dude, I wish I could do redo that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like why am I riding down like <laughs> why are my arms out here? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you think that looks good, man? You think that looks good snowboarding down like this? <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to, you know, we did we jumped right to to uh the art of flight, but um or that's it, that's all rather, but the the bone dage, I'm pretty sure, was before that, and you had Ender. That part was incredible. Um, I think we should just jump into talking about the bone dage, like the most notable clip. Let's just get right into it. Your Ender, you guys are hitting a huge park jump, and you go double eject uh, method explosion. What happened there? Yeah, we we're hitting. Uh, it was me and Danny hitting this booter up at Snowmass. Pretty, pretty good one. I think it was like I don't know, maybe eighty. Somewhere around there, like a legitimate 80 footer, you know, had a lot of hang time, you know, super fun jump, awesome jump. And uh, yeah, got some tricks. I got like front nine, like truck driver off the toes, and maybe back one, back five. I'm not sure exactly what, what else I got, but I just went to go do a method and just crank out a method. And somehow I just started floating over the bars. And like right when I, I was, like, pretty much at my apex of the air, and I knew I was screwed. I was just, like, cranking out the method, and I just started dipping. And I'm like, oh, boy, I am in trouble, you know? And I was just trying to get out of it, just catting super hard. And right when I landed, it was it was the nose of my board that just stuck right in the ground. It just, boom, stuck in and just planted. And that board did not move, and my body kept going and just ripped my bindings right off my board, you know. And I just slammed pretty hard, knocked the window myself, you know, was just, you know, smashed my head. Um, thank God it was like a soft landing. Uh, and then I, this, my board just like takes off down past me, you know. And I was so confused, dude, because <laughs> it never <laughs> fallen on my snowboard where my legs are just free and floating. So I'm like, did I break both my legs? Like, what's going on? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it was the weirdest feeling. Like, all of a sudden, like, your legs are just, bleh, like, not on a snowboard. You're like, what just happened? Uh, so I just ripped the inserts, like, out of the board. Like, the board boards are great. Nothing about the board. Just literally just. Just the impact. Just the impact. Uh, still had the bindings attached to my feet. And the board was just flying down the mountain. We, like, tracked it, like, later on uh, later on the day. Like, it went down, like, like a half mile, a like, quarter mile down, you know. We found it, like, piled up in the woods. But um, And then you're just walking around in bindings. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like. Let's keep these on for the night. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's done. I guess I'm done, guys. <laughs> and the in so it was the actual inserts pulled from the core. Yeah, the inserts pulled. So they're still attached. So you have well, little cleats on there. Dude, if you yep. that's actually probably the best case scenario because if For your sure. feet were still attached, that probably your body would have taken that instead of the board. Yeah, you probably had yeah. dislocated your hip. Yeah, as I well. mean it worked out pretty darn good. I mean, like I was fine, you know? So and then that that whole year you filmed with another goat, Danny Cass, uh, Bone Dage, 
yeah. insane video part, Ender. How was cruising around with Danny that year? Dude, uh, it's just hilarious, man. He's just such a, a dude. He's such a good rider. And uh, I remember Danny throwing on like a grenade sticker on one of some guys like raft. He had like a million stickers on there. And this guy comes out and just rips Danny up and down. Just like, you punk, you know, you're never going to turn out to be anything. You know, you fucking loser, you know. And Danny just sitting there, he just like. And, like, I'm like, dude, you're talking to a, you know, like, what, three-time Olympian, you know what I mean? Like, successful business owner, like, and he didn't chirp back. He just was just like, sorry, man, you know. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. But, um, yeah, dude, Danny's just a boss, and um, he's always been a big role model um, for me growing up, and I think for for a lot of riders, Um and you guys both did the pipe contest together too. Seems like you guys in the same time frame, right? Yep, yep. He was just there was a there was a point where no one could touch Danny. I think it was like one. I mean, for sure, one year he went. I think undefeated. But it was like two, three years where just no one could touch him. You know, just steamrolling everyone, and it was sick. <laughs> I'd love to talk about your pipe run philosophy kind of because if you look i mean from my perspective you had the front nine nose which is like your signature staple and you were known for to me just like going huge you know some of the riders were going a little smaller but doing maybe more technical tricks what was your approach to putting together a pipe run question i don't know man i just i yeah i just wanted to do the stuff that was fun and that i think just going big is just sick I don't know. It was always just rad for me, so I was stoked on going big. Like, um, it was never a, you know. Obviously, you got to kind of play to like what the judges want to see, right? Like, believe it or not, like the nose grab was kind of one of those things. It's like I had so where I was out in um, I was out in Sasfe doing a World Cup and qualifiers. I had done this run and like I think I'd done front ten melon grab and then like at the end I'd done front nine melon. Right, and then, like, I qualified, but I got knocked pretty hard for grabbing melon twice, obviously, right? The judge was like, dude, just do it, do another grab. And I was like, for sure. And I was like, well, maybe I'll just try, try, try grabbing nose, you know? And then just first time, just boom, grab nose. I'm like, that, it just totally switched the whole way I did a nine. I was like, that was super fun. It felt really cool. And then ever since that day, and then I did it in finals, and I ended up winning that World Cup. Uh, first, like, one that I, like, ever won, you know, and I was like, all right, cool. And then I started doing rocket air with it, front nine rocket air. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just kind of worked out. But I don't know. The philosophy of just, just go big, be smooth, impress the people on the deck, you know, mm-hmm. like the deck of the pipe, you know, and make put on a good show for, like, the people, like, on the deck. Um, and that's kind of what stoked me up. That's a great. I like that philosophy. I didn't, I've never heard that. Impress the people on the deck. I think yeah. that's that's a good point. It's close. It's personal. You let them know you're there. I think that's sick. That's a great one. Yeah, I think it's like the most impressive view from from pipe, like watching on the side of the deck. Like everyone's like watching on TV until like you're like everyone's like, dude, I went to the side, the lip of the pipe or whatever. It's like I was blown away. So like everyone who's watching a pipe contest or pipe session from the side of the pipe. 
it's a pretty good show. You know what I mean? Um, so, hundred percent. And generally, they film half pipe contests from the bottom looking up, and you don't see the like east to west drift. It's crazy when people go twenty feet out, but you don't see they're also drifting like fifty feet down the pipe, like yourself. Totally. You know, like totally. people with good fundamentals carry that down the pipe. Yeah, it's amazing. And then talking to Muddy, he was saying he's like, man. Scotty just loves a crowd. You give him a crowd, he'll go crazy. Yeah, I think so. You know, like, definitely, like, a big part of it, for sure, was trying to impress people. You know what I mean? Like, I thrived off that, you know? Um, I think a lot of people do. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, hell yeah. I want to make it look good. Um, I want to stoke you guys out. Um, But I think the biggest thing, biggest driver for me was having the respect of, of my peers and I've, I've said this before and that's the, that's the truth just like I wanted riders who you know I looked up to who I respected you two you know if you two were to like be like you know like dude the way you did that was was sick then that's what that was my approval that's that's what made me happy you know um, and that's what kind of what motivated me a lot you know was to um, do shit do shit that that other riders that I respected liked, you know, and that was just I don't know, kind of stoked me out. I think it's a it's a pretty keen awareness to have an attention to the crowd. Me like especially back then in the era of snowboarding, it was pretty, you know, clicky and crews, and also pretty self based. And so you were you were there for you most of the time. They invited you. It was like the you show, you know, in, to some extent in just attitude, but to, to have that, um, I guess, perspective of the fans viewing and putting on a show for them, I think is, is probably pretty unique for that time era. I think nowadays it's more and more discussed and, and applied, but yeah, I think you're a little bit ahead of your thinking, you know, back yep. then. I think that's rad. That's cool. That. Yeah, I mean, like, no, I remember, like, specifically, that, like, especially at the U.S. Open, U.S. Open X Games, like, people on the side of the pipe, like, I would, like, see a crowd and be like, all right, I'm going to fucking blast fucking, like, 20-foot air over these dudes' heads. You know what I mean? And, like, Sick. you would, like, I mean, sometimes it would be pretty cheesy, but but the crowd would love it, dude. Like, you would, like, blast up over it, like, crank like an indie and, like, look down at them and be like, you know? And, like, they would be like, yeah, you know? And you see it so many times, so many photos. That, like, people on the side of the deck are just like, yeah. You know, like, every face on the side of the deck, like, they're just like, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of I, cool. I don't know that feeling. I'll be honest with you. I, yeah, we, we, I do not. We, we don't know that feeling. I wish. You but, described it great. <laughs> I, I think that's an interesting thing to talk about, too, with, with contests. Back then, you know, th- you were from the East Coast, grew up going to U.S. Opens, watching him on the deck you you know it's electric the energy is so compacted in one area and contests used to just have like such a incredible energy and there's so much more like life behind contests you had ttr you had you know do tour was a three-stop series you had like as a contest rider you could make a legitimate yeah. living with x, du- games, x games grand prix grand prix um, ttr there's the burton global series right yeah abominable snow and then there was x games like in france and you know and uh, kind of all yeah, yeah you're yeah. you know norway Almost. was it norway yep. yeah, yeah. Norway. Yeah, and, and nowadays you have like basically there's like locks open X Games kind of do tours and but like 
nobody gives a shit about the World Cups, really. And so, I don't know, I feel like you're, you guys were kind of in the glory days of, like, friends crew traveling around, beating down contests, back-to-back weekends. Yeah, it was definitely good times, man. It was a movement, for sure. Yeah. yeah, and you guys, you probably made a good living back then, I'd imagine. Yeah, I think we all did pretty good. Do you want to talk I about know, I don't know, what, what's, the, what's it like nowadays? Lord knows. I don't I mean, know. I've been out of the... You, need, been, you need, like, six other jobs to be yeah. a pro. <laughs> yeah. In most yeah. cases. Yeah. Unless you're like the top, yeah. Unless you're the top, top five percent, you do maybe that. or something like that. You know, then you're you're styling. But other but, than that, if you're not like winning or like the best of the best, it's pretty tough, right? Yeah, it's a now I'd we call it a war zone. We like to talk about we call that cheddar bisque on the show. You know, uh, securing the bag, if you will, securing mm, the bag. Yeah. Uh, you know, highest contest earning year, if you feel like answering it do you know you know you i'm sure you had some big years do you want to talk about uh earnings at all or no i mean i didn't no i never really did good at contests i just did a lot of them yeah <laughs> you know like i pretty much built a career off like third places you know it's like the amount of like seconds and thirds i get it was also really hard to compete against sean <laughs> you yep. know like it's like anytime you're competing against sean you're kind of getting second or third uh mm-hmm. or whatever but um so I mean, I never really, like, that was never even a motivator for me. It's just like, oh, the contest earnings, you know, was because, honestly, the feeling of, like, winning would be way more joy than would the actual financial, you know, mm-hmm. reward would be. And then also, when you would fall, it would be absolutely devastating because you. I don't know why. I, it would be devastating to me. I would be so bummed. And, like, you could give a shit about the money, you know? Be like, it was not about, like, I just lost out on 30000 It was like, I just blew it, you know? And mm. I know I could have won, you know? And it was right there, and I just blew it, you know? But it had nothing to do with the money. So I never really made a lot of money uh, competing, but I did pretty well with, with my sponsors. But mm-hmm. Absolutely. That makes sense. Well, uh, we should talk about the Olympic year because that's a gnarly year for you guys and your friends and your squad and that whole – maybe just walk us through that whole chain of events that season because that was – Yeah, so uh, for Olympic year was we had like five five Grand Prix. It's a four or five Grand Prix, and they took your two best results, um, and they choose a team that year because, you know, it's just so – up and down, someone could be the best like one month and next month it could be whatever blowing it. But um so yeah, I, I ended up getting two seconds in a third. Um Sean, you know, Sean won. I got seconds behind him in a third place, um, which locked me in for the team. And I was just like, dude, I was ecstatic. I couldn't believe that it actually made the team. That was just my my biggest goal and and I was riding good, you know, at the time and and everything kind of clicked and was just kind of perfect timing. But um, there was a lot of pressure to, like, make the team that everyone was feeling, you know. And that was that was year, the, the year Kevin uh, got his TBI. Kevin Pierce got his traumatic brain injury. And it was um, pretty gnarly, you know. And I actually still think, like, um, you know, that's just, you know, you watch that and it just kind of stays with you. Not like PTSD or whatever, but a little bit, you know, just like, you know, you've seen sure. people get hurt and you just like, it's just kind of a mental scar, you know? Um, and, uh, 
Danny got hurt this year too, right? This is the, is this the same yeah, season? Same he hurt yeah, his back, Dan, right? Danny Broke got hurt. Yep, he um, a rough year. Yeah, we were at the um, Mountain Lab, DC Mountain Lab. Mm-hmm. Danny was on the quad and just hit a closed gate going like 40 miles per hour. Him and uh, Elliot broke his uh, pelvis and broke his like back and all kinds. He got really banged up, really banged up. He's tough, dude. He's had a lot of gnarly injuries Danny has and, and has recovered. So is Mark. I mean, so we all have. <laughs> yeah. yeah <for laughs> you know sure. what I mean? Like literally. For sure. Um, but uh, you guys saw me walking up with that. Those crutches. <laughs> uh, um. But yeah, that was 2010. So that was pretty pretty heavy year for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then there's a lot to impact there to like just break it down in in one sitting. But let's talk about the let's just talk about Kevin's injury because I think that's yeah. fucking dude so gnarly. You guys were like this tight group of friends. You had Danny, you had yourself. You know the whole mace. You had this this entire friends crew, and and you guys were like a unit going to all the contests, making all kinds of videos. You guys had a brand. And then KP's winning, he's crushing, and then just gets destroyed. I mean, I can, can't imagine the effect that that had on your guys' squad. Yeah, man. He was riding super good and just he was working on cab, cab double 10, I think. Working on cab double 10. I remember I was at the bottom of the pipe, and I had just caught it out of the corner of my eye. Went cab double 10, like over-rotated, landed kind of in the flats. And caught his toe side edge, and it just like it was like the perfect storm of falls. It was just so much momentum, and the way he caught, it was just you know didn't get his hands down, you know, just whip. And I remember like catching it, and like instantly I knew I didn't know it was Kevin. Instantly I knew I was like that person is just died, or we need a helicopter, you know. I was like right away. I just instantly knew that I didn't know it was Kevin. I knew that, you know, he was in a lot of trouble, you know. And uh, I, like, looked at the uh, – I looked at the ski patrol ski patroller, and I was like, you need to get a helicopter here, you know. And, uh, and I found out it was Kevin, and we ran up there, and he was he was in really bad shape. Sorry. It was, it was a gnarly injury and life-changing. And your crew, your crew at this time is kind of the friends crew I'm referring to. That it's kind of there. You guys are all kind of shining. Like it's kind of prime time friends crew at this phase in life, right? Like you guys were cranking on the business stuff really hard, cranking on the videos. So I would imagine you were all really tight. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, we're up, we're you know we're traveling the country together, doing contest to contest, staying in the same spot, we would make it a point to all get, you know, a lot of a lot of the dudes rode for Burton. Um, I was outcast, but we would always make it a point to, like, stay in the same spot. So we would either, you know, rent a, rent a condo together or whatever. We would party together. We would ride together. Uh, we would film together. Um, we were, like, you know, we were the tightest crew, the, like, you know, family, you know, um, for, for years, and we just had a blast. So yeah, I mean we're 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 a unit for sure. Also thinking about going back to the, the Kevin stuff too, you know, it's like you know, there's it's all glorified in the sense of like being a pro snowboarder, you show up to events, you're put on a pedestal, you're put on TV, you're idolized, you're you know, worshipped by fans in some ways, and it's like it's a crazy reminder of like 
going huge, especially in a half pipe, is like real deal gladiator shit when it goes south. Yeah, I mean, like, dude, that's just snowboarding, right? It's like, dude, it just comes with injuries, man, you know? And it's like you're lucky to get away with it, you know, without any serious injuries, you know? Like, obviously, you're breaking bones, you know? You're, and if you're, I mean, really, you're not doing your job if, if you're not, you know? You need to be walking that fine line of, like, pushing yourself to the max but also trying to stay healthy throughout the season. And it's like, dude you got to be pushing yourself, you know? Um, and that, you know, walking that line obviously comes with, with consequences, you know, getting hurt. Um, so, yeah. Heavy. Yep. Well, going back to the 2010 season, so, you know, we talked about Kevin get hurt, uh, Danny got hurt. Heavy year, you know, heavy year emotionally, I'm sure. And then all the pressure building up to the Olympics. How was it when you finally showed up at the Olympics representing Team USA. Like, walk us through that Olympic experience. Yeah. Well, first I want to say, too, that, like, Kevin Kevin was probably going to make the team, and Danny was probably going to make the team. Like, there, there were two shoe-ins, you know, and I probably would have been placing in behind those guys, you know, um, which would have been epic to have them on the team. Um, so, yeah, so rolling in, we... It was just crazy that they didn't make the team. Um they should have been there with me. It would have been epic, but, um, you know, that obviously happened. And um, rolling into Vancouver, um, there was, like, no snow, dude. The pipe was pretty janky. There were, like, f- there were dump trucking snow in from, like, ice rinks and stuff. I don't even know how, you know, where, where they're getting it from. But, um, yeah, it was a trip, man. It was... I was really proud to be representing USA. Like, it was, you get so swagged out when you get to the Olympics. Like, you get all this gear from whatever, Polo, Ralph the Run, whatever, everything's just big USA on it. You know, and it's so cool to, like, be repping USA, wearing that, wearing that stuff around the Olympic Village and stuff like that. Even though we didn't stay in the Olympic Village, we stayed somewhere else. But, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty cool, man. I heard that the pipe was just running like dog shit too. Like it, it was, it was not a world class half pipe. No, yeah, the pipe was not was not great, but it did get better and better. Like finals night was was pretty pretty damn good, but you know, nothing compared to like what now you know nowadays pipe would be. Like the locks, you know, is unbelievable, mm-hmm. or any X Games pipe or yeah. two tour. I I get so curious when when. People are in that high-stakes, high-pressure cooker situation. You're at the top of the half-pipe, world stage. Every family member's watching, oh, Scotty's going to the Olympics. You know, like, it is it is like kind of, for a snowboarder in their career, a lot of times, like a pinnacle moment, and you only got two runs, and you got to put it down. Like, what's going on at the top of the half-pipe before you drop in? Yeah, I know. It, you know, the timing of it was just worked out so perfect for me. I'd, I'd never landed that. The one that I landed that I got my medal on, I'd never connected that run ever before. Like, I'd just, you know, I'd never done, like, back-to-back double corks, you know. I had done it before, but I could never, like, connect them, but I just did it, like, for that run, you know. Uh, so the timing worked out unbelievable. I was stoked. My my aunt was there. My dad was there. My grandfather was there. Got the full Olympic, well, not the full Olympic experience. Oh, but, yeah, uh, got, <laughs> yeah. I, I got pretty, you know, a decent, I got a decent Olympic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it was so cool coming back home, man. It was, Olympics were, 
so much bigger than I ever thought they would be. They're so much bigger, you know? Like, I knew they were big. Obviously, it's Olympics. It's really cool. But getting a medal in the Olympics, man, is was was a changer for me, for sure, you know? And, and it was really cool. Like, the coolest thing for me was coming, coming back kind of like being a hometown hero, you know? And it was rad, you know, like going back home, seeing all the signs on the highways, you know, going through all the towns, you know, like congratulations, Scott, like every business in, in the surrounding towns around, around me had like, you know, congratulations, Scotty. And it was really cool. And I felt really, really proud to, you know, to be representing the U.S. And it was, it was a trip. I don't know. Killer, really well, cool. let's, it was a long time ago. Let's, well, let's. Like 14, yeah, 14 years ago. I yep. think it would be great to talk about what transpired. I think the night after you got your medal, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was. Uh, what, yeah, yes, it was the night after I got my medal. Yeah, so I had been sober. You know, I had been, um, you know, riding pretty hard. You know, fully focused on on snowboarding. So after I got the medal, it's just the deal was done. You know, I'd done the work. We'd got it done, and I went out. We were out partying. I think it was at some rebel party. Um. And so I'm, uh, I had the medal because that's just what you do. You just bring the medal around everywhere, <laughs> you know. And uh, uh, some chick wanted to take a photo with us. I'm like, yeah, for sure, you know. And then she's like, oh, she's like, let me get a, like a a photo of like, I mean, essentially, so like it looks like she's sucking my dick, you know. But like hold, she wanted to like hold it, bite it down like by, by my crotch. And uh, someone grabbed a photo of it. Didn't think anything of it. Just another, you know, whatever, you know, some debauchery, you know, late night debauchery, whatever, you know. And uh, wake up in the morning, like, walking back to my hotel room, my agent calls me, and she, Cersei Wallace, and she's like, Scotty, she's like, you you are in some trouble. Oh, no. And I'm like, and I'm like, I remember thinking in my head, I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't care what what are you talking about? Like nothing can get me down. You know what I mean? Like nothing can get me down. All good. And she's like, you know, photo leaked. You know, you and uh, a girl last night. And I'm like thinking in my head. I'm like, what, what photo is she talking about? You know what I mean? Like, and when I saw the photo, I'm like, oh, what? That's it. This is it. All right. Well, that's not that big of a deal. She's like, well, the USOC has already booked you your flight home. You know, and they, you know, they're, they want you out of here. I was like, well, you know, they can suck my dick. No, <laughs> suck my metal. <laughs> yeah, they can suck my fucking metal. No, they can suck my metal. Um, and uh, I could have fought. I could have stayed. Um, I had, like, every right. To, like, it would have been, like, a literal, like, mini hearing, right? Um, Crazy. Yeah, but um, we thought it was best to maybe just kind of maybe – get out of the spotlight and head home. So I never really got to get the full Olympic experience. I would have loved to like just get silly in the Olympic village and uh, go watch other events and go to closing ceremonies. Never got to do that. Um, but when I got back home, it was just, it was all good. Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel threw me a uh, closing ceremony. Yeah. So. Let's talk yeah. about that. Sick. Yeah, yeah. Run that. Tell that story too. Yeah. No, it's cool. I mean, he wanted me to be on the show and he kind of had my back. I mean, he had my back. He's like, it's like the least scandalous scandal in the world, you know? So he had me on his show and this super cool dude. I never talked to him before the show or after the show. It was just on the show <laughs> and he was just super good at, at, um, controlling situation you know like any little tiny little slip up i would be starting to make you jump in there and like kind of cover me mm. he's a pro 
Um, but it was really cool. He's like, since you didn't get to experience, you know, closing ceremonies, you know, he's like, I've gathered everyone off of Holy Hollywood Boulevard to come in here and throw you, uh, you know, a closing ceremony. So there was like Spider-Man, SpongeBob rolling through, you know, Wonder Woman, you know, just like a homeless guy, you know, just whatever. It's just, uh, just a, I don't know, a closing ceremony from Jimmy Kimmel. It was cool. <laughs> That's Legendary. Tight. That's a one-off right there. That's better. That's better than every all the other Olympians got. You know the same thing. You got to go on Jimmy Kimmel, dude. The yeah, same yeah, thing, yeah. dude. They all just got to watch the same thing. Yeah, you got private. Kind of whack. <laughs> Doctor Phil wanted me on his show. He was trying real hard, and I'm like, dude, I'm not going to go on the Doctor Phil show. <laughs> you iced Doctor Phil. I iced Doctor Phil, dude. That's what's yeah. up. <laughs> Need a shirt. I iced Doctor Phil. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. Money. He just starts picking your brain. <laughs> yeah, like, what were you thinking? Yeah, that's fucking awesome, dude. I love that. You know, wow. and speaking of podiums, I actually saw your back on the podium last year. Big podium. Homesick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, homesick, <laughs> man. I was like, yeah, no way, huh? What did I do? <laughs> homesick. Yeah, yeah, back in the, yeah, coming out of retirement, back in the half pipe. Uh, I'm going back again this year. Yeah, the event yeah. looks amazing. Yeah, it was. it's super fun. Sounds like you're yeah. not in retirement. Yeah, it sounds like you're... Still, uh, still getting years podiums. running, yeah. podiums. Did Jimmy yeah. Kimball call you after homesick when you won? Yeah, yeah, he wanted to bring me back on, but I iced him as well. I'm like, dude, I'm just done. Just leave me alone. I know it's been 15 years, but <laughs> let's do this. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, what about um, one thing I wanted to talk about? Speaking of contests, there was a moment when I was doing my research, X Games, third run, you and Sean are duking it out. Switch drop in. I think you were dropping into cab 10 double, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Things went a little south. Walk us through that one. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it was, was it three? It was three runs. Yeah. Was, I don't know what I was sitting in. Was I sitting in second? I think Did you were get, in second. Yeah, I was in second. Um, I was dropping in doing cab double 10. So obviously dropping in switch. And I'd fell, I fell dropping in, like just live. ESPN, X Games, your moment, run number three. Your moment. You know, this is it, dude. Like, you can do it. And I fall dropping in, like, the easiest thing on planet Earth. Um, and, like, I remember I'm just like, what just happened? I'm down in the flash right now. Like, I'm, I've fallen. I'm on the snow. Like, what the hell just happened? So I unstrapped, and I'm like, maybe there's a chance that I could They'll let me do it again. I don't know because I didn't hit, <laughs> I didn't hit anything really, you know. Um, and they almost did, but uh, they were live on TV, so um, that was it. That was my third run. Just, Damn, that might have been the wow. time the flow bindings really came in clutch. Yeah, I was like, boom, 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 boom. You're boom, in. You're boom. good to go. Yeah, I just I was running up the hill. <laughs> you know, been a Cinderella story. Totally for sure. I gotta Bad argue campaign. though, the switch drop in into a pipe. I mean, was it an 18-foot at that point, or are we 20 feet? No, it was, it was, yeah, it was 22. 22, so yeah. it's the full full show. Like, I'll argue that a switch drop-in at speed going into a cab double 10 is maybe not the easiest thing to do. No, I mean, it's still like, you know, like I challenge, you know, I challenge a lot of people just drop in switch hot. Just drop you know? in hot. I'll tell you what, like doing a front one in is way easier than just riding. Yep. Mm-hmm. Switch. Good point. You, know, you drop in front one all day. You're not all day, but doing a regular just switch drop in is is mm-hmm. is harder. Yeah. Um, but regardless, you fell. Yeah, I fell, and I sh- I should not have. And it was a little embarrassing. What do you I think it of, was? 
What was the culprit? Oh, no, I just got too amped, dude. I went too toe heavy, and I just ollied, like, I'm like, dude, I'm going to go big on this, you know, and just over-amped and just went way too toe heavy and just washed out. Mm. Makes sense. To me, it's it's a, if I'm going Dr. Phil analysis on this, it's like a, it's a cart before the horse situation. Mm. You're thinking about the cab 10 and going Richter, and you're not thinking about the switch toe side. Yep. You know? Yep. You nailed it. And who knows? You might have said that on the show if you had everyone on. Yeah, I know. Well, who knows? Maybe I would have just absolutely sent it into the crowd. You know what I mean? And get impaled by a um, a steak. Yeah, could have been the saving grace. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Good perspective. Your cab at the time, the cab ten double you're doing was a true double. A lot of them were kind of double dips, and it's like you did the cab seven, and then you like fully like just dumped it on the last one like that's yep. a you're like coming a roll, around like yeah, a, you rolled it over yeah yeah yep. i appreciate the dump yeah it seems like at that time you were maybe the only like one of the few people doing it like that mm-hmm. yep yeah i um i was i was always a tough one for me i don't know just you just i can't do doubles without going big really just really what it comes down to you know i have to do it if I'm going to do a cab double, it has to be big. It has to be like 10 feet out or else I'm just not going to get around as hard as I can try, you know? So there's always kind of like, it's just really not a fun trick for me to do because it was kind of scary. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, didn't really enjoy it, you know? Um, so didn't really practice it that much and never really got that good at it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's so Here then, I am. You, know? you didn't have an opinion. <laughs> you didn't have an opinion on whether you were about flipping it more than kind of corking it like to Chris's point or, uh, or did you, were you opinionated on that and were pipe writers opinionated like, ah, eh, no, I was just, enough. it was just doing it the way I just, you just did it. I just did it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it just, that's just the way it went, you know, just, I like it too. You cap seven, and I just like you know, you get into a certain point, you know what you can do to get it around. You know what I mean? Like um, you know, and then I'm like, oh, I know if I just dump it right here, and then you know it'll come come around. I think I just maybe did that for the first time, and I was like, that's that's how I'm gonna do them. You know, um, but yeah, I like that when you're you know, you see me, I got horrible fundamentals, so uh, you know, like let's say I'm gonna do a cab nine, it's like. I got one speed. However I snap this thing, I'm not speeding it up. I'm not slowing it down. Better be the right amount of air time. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Either we're going cab 10 double to my face or, you know, cab 630 toe edge catch or we're, it's going perfect. But once we snap that son of a bitch, it's, I got one speed, you know? It kind of yeah. sounds like you're cab 10. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, need to go big. We're not, there's no gas pedal on this, Larry. Yeah. Mm. All right, we're going to get into a fun section of the show. Silk D, you know what this section is? I think that we might be doing name that video part. What do you think, Jones? I'm going to go, I'm going to concur. Name that video part is presented by Woodward Park City, which we love here at the Bomb Hole. We're regulars over there. Uh, just had an event earlier this winter up there called the Dust Bomb, and it was a blast. Now, one thing we love here at the Bomb Hole is affordability in snowboarding. And you can get a lift ticket for $40 and go snowboarding, which is unheard of in this day and age. And their monthly membership is cheaper than most day passes at other ski resorts. So definitely check out Woodward Park City if you're looking for a nice, convenient snowboarding experience. 
you know, you jam up the canyon. It's 15, 20 minutes from Salt Lake. There's usually no lift lines. It's easy. It's fun. They got beginner features. If you're just learning, you want to hit your first box. They got a bunny slope if you want to learn how to ride. And then they got everything from a super pipe all the way up to some jackers of some kickers. You know, if you want to let the big dog eat, Woodward Park City is a great place to do it. So check it out. And then you can learn tricks into the foam pit inside. Cocard did this the other day. He learned switchback rodeos on a roller board and then inside into the foam pit and then strapped on his snowboard, went outside, did a switchback rodeo on the jump. So they're all about progression at Woodward Park City. And uh, if you want to learn some new tricks, check it out. All right, Scotty, what's your confidence level zero through 10 on Name That Video Part? Dude, honestly, I haven't watched a snowboard video in like 10 years. Um, so pretty, like, I don't know, two, two out of a 10. Two, okay. The ones that are 10 years old, though, haven't changed. They're still the same. Yep, yep. All right, let's I don't see. know, we'll say not, not good. I don't feel confident. Should we do a smelling salt to take a little hair off the dog yeah. for this? Yeah, yeah let's do yeah, that. I think it's probably smelling salt. All right. Oh! Mm. oh. That one was pretty smooth, actually. Good batch. Yeah. Smooth aroma. Okay. Premium. Here we go. Mm. Mm. I want to say, like, Sketchy D or Danny Cass. Danny Cass. Danny Cass. And uh, Smell the Glove. I... Think so. Revenge of the Grenades. I actually forget which video it is. I was Danny. I think maybe Full Metal Edges. Oh, <laughs> Full Metal Edges. I think that, yeah, yeah that I think sounds... that is. Uh, sorry, yeah, that's Full Metal Edges. I think. Yeah, that's that part's insane. He dropped. Yeah, starts with the pipe run. Yeah, you. All right, I'm gonna count that. You got Danny Cass. Grenade video. Yeah, if Chris mm. doesn't know it, it, can't, he can't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, you sure. got it. <laughs> yeah, wait, what? You don't know? No, I think it's Full Metal Edges. I pulled the Danny Cass part this morning. I'm like, I bet he'll know an old Danny part. And I kind of, I blanked on remember, but I think it's full metal. I just, yeah. So we have to give it to you. So, yeah. Oh, no way. Yeah, oh, so I get a gift. This is yeah. great. This is, this is your award what? for getting, yeah, dude, for getting it right. Beautiful. All kinds of swag in yeah, here. Yeah, you got dude. some bomb hole gear in there. That's good. That's if you want to go to the beach and take a piss in the sand, you can bring that. It's kind of like a beach bag. It's a Yeti right. carry all. You can poop too and take that, that home with you. Yeah, you can also take a shit in that bag mm-hmm. and bring it with right you. in there. Yeah, I would contain that very well. Well, you got a, you got, actually, that's good. You got, you got a kid. Your kid's not a baby. How old is your kid? He's three. He's three. So, you, I mean, do you put some diapers in there? Uh, no, he's off the diapers. He's off the, I, yeah. I don't know much about kids. I yeah. don't know what age they yeah. stop doing He'll the poop diapers. in that perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he'll poop, poop, poop on command. No, yeah, he wants privacy and he takes his dumps. So, you, know. you could do it's male adult diapers for yourself in there yeah. if you need that. So, yeah. that's well, an I option. I appreciate that. Thank you guys. Very, very kind and very generous. Although right. I did earn it. You did. You earn, did earn that. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Kind of. No, hundred um, percent. And then we're gonna go uh, part two. This is one is not for you, Scotty. This is for the listeners. If you know the video part, comment on the photo, of Scotty, on the Bombles Instagram for a chance to win a prize pack. Probably just a few stickers. Don't get excited. It's not like Scotty's bag. It's honestly, it's a pretty anticlimactic package that you guys are gonna get. You so. could still take a poop on it, though. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could take a dump in the package. The envelope is. <laughs> Useful. Yes. Okay, here we go. Okay, thank you guys for playing. Name that video part. Name that video part. 
All right, let's talk about Blackstrap. Now, I've been testing some of their products lately. They sent some stuff to the bomb hole. And let me tell you, they make some high-performance base layers, beanies, balaclavas, and more. Recently tried out the Blackstrap Summit base layers on a full day hiking around the backcountry. We were getting sweaty. It was cold. And I was really impressed. They're breathable. They're stretchy. They're quick-drying. Good base layers are key for staying warm and comfortable in the mountains. And they are worth investing in. I wear base layers every time I go ride. So great base layers are absolutely crucial. And Blackstrap makes some really high quality ones. So check them out. Also, I was impressed with their balaclavas. As you know, I wear a helmet these days, new to that game. And I love the fit under the helmet. So if you're looking for a great under the helmet balaclava, be sure to check out bsbrand.com. And you can use promo code BOMBHOLE for 20% off your order. Again, that's bsbrand.com, promo code BOMBHOLE, 20% off your order. They also recently came on board to support BOMBHOLE Cup, as well as our Woodward Dust Bomb Ride Day. So support brands that support snowboarding and check out bsbrand.com and use promo code BOMBHOLE for 20% off your order and get yourself looking fresh out there on the hill. All right, let's talk hydration. Let's talk element. Now, please give a warm welcome to the new Element Chocolate Medley, a tasty trio of flavors including chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry, designed to be enjoyed hot or swirled into your favorite recipes. Now, winter hydration matters too. We become less thirsty in both cold weather and high elevations, but that doesn't mean we're hydrated. Optimal hydration requires the right fluid to electrolyte balance to keep us feeling and performing our best. Go to drinkelement.com. That's drinklmnt.com slash bombhole for a free gift with purchase. All right, Silk, uh, do you want to maybe hit a Patreon question? Yeah, we got one from Keen Meeks. They're asking, what inspired you to start your own board company? Oh, good question, Keen. Um, I think it's like a shared passion, uh, or maybe not a shared, sorry, not a shared passion, but maybe a shared goal or maybe a dream of a lot of pro- professional snowboarders um, to to own their own company. Um, I just thought it would always be really cool to just own the, you know, the company of the board that, you know, were strapped to my feet. Um yeah, it's it's kind of as simple as that. I don't know. I just just thought it would be really cool, and I know it would be hard and challenging. And I kind of wanted to challenge myself, and and um, the stars aligned for it, and and uh, I set off and did it. Now I know you're doing direct to consumer, but I heard you know recently we were talking. What brings you to Utah? Yeah, I'm out here for a uh, for an expo. For uh, I'm trying to trying to get Lego boards into into retail. In the shops, so any shop owners out there, uh, where, where are the cameras at? Yeah, right there, right you there. You guys, if you guys want some Lego boards up in your shop, hit me up. Uh, so make super good quality boards. Um, I keep it very simple, right? I only have like a few models. I've been in business for uh, for eight years now, and I've always done direct to consumer because it's been the simplest way, right? It's just me and my wife, um, and then once my once my child becomes of age, it's another year or two, he's three right now, you know, I'll put him to work for sure. Yeah. Yep. Packing boards and whatnot, you know, mm-hmm. testing, mm-hmm. you know. But um but yeah, so 
direct to consumer is just always the easiest um, for me, and especially when I was still competing when I first started. So I started off doing that, um, and uh, I've just kind of stuck with it. But I'm ready to, and it's it's weird because it's like I've kind of almost done it backwards, right? I've experimented a little bit with shops in the past, but it's been such a whole different beast. Um, you know, retail is just. I just really didn't have the time or the resources to to get into shops. Um, and if, if I'm going to do something, I want to do it right. Now I'm prepped and I'm ready, and um, I'm taking that on uh, taking that on right now. So, sick. Do you have a sick. team? I see Casey's on the boards. Yep. Who else is riding? Dude, um, it's yeah, it's Casey Willax and uh, Zach Normandon. That's oh, it, dude. Gangsters. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, so it's just just those two, and uh, but uh, we're you know we're we're continuing to grow. Um, so we'll we'll see what 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 the rest of this year holds. Yeah, that board that I just saw behind you, I just popped a little hit over the. That thing's softer than I expected. I would put you in the category of like stiff, high performance. Like attack board, but that thing looks like that thing looks like you do a nose press on it. Well, this thing's this thing's pr- pretty broken too. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a full year ripping on this thing, yeah. but um, uh, yeah, dude, these this is the double barrel right here. So this is uh last year's model or, or this year's model, um, but uh, yeah, we have them in the 52, 55, 59. We have a one fifty six wide and a one sixty wide, um. And I've just been riding, so I've always rode a, a 59. Then I started riding a 160 wide. I like the wides just because I have a little bit bigger foot, and you can just kind of lay down carves a little bit more. And then I feel like sometimes a little more solid on the takeoff kind of slows you down a little bit for some of the jumps. Um, and I switched to a 56 wide last year, which is like the smallest, and it handles in powder. Like, was was great, and I was totally surprised. Um, so I just sized down, but but made it wider, and it's been working. Sick. I love that. Yeah, Jones, you're in the you're in the board business too. You you probably. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that's the same as is my preference, my personal preference. Like I'm I'm pretty small. I run a or my board is pretty small, rather. Like I don't. Fifty nines as big as I'll go in powder, but I've been on my fifty five, and it's yeah. a borderline mid wide and. Yep. I mean, deep days at Brighton and things floating and that's all, that's and all that matters. Speed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's as a, long as you're floating, your back leg's not burning. Yeah. Like, you know, you don't want, like, especially if you're, like, in the trees or in, like, some tight stuff. Like, you don't want, like, a giant stick to, like, you know, like, oh, I got to turn, like, oh, like, yeah. muscle it, you know. Like wiggling I used to ride a 64. I mean, you used to ride a 64. Dang. You know, like, that was my power board, you know. I mean, I could still go ride a 64, but I don't know. 56 Y just kind of does it, you know? A 64 is great for Alaska or for a cheese wedge where you're going dead straight, hauling ass, you need stability, you need to land, but you're not wiggling through trees. Like, I, I see this trend in snowboarding happening right now. It's like volume shifting is what they call it, as Jay Stone is mentioning. It's like you look at Travis's board, you look at a lot of these boards, and people are going, like, narrower and wider. And if you think about it, it's like your your footprint you know, on the snow, if you're thinking about like a snowshoe type of situation, right? right? Like as long as you have a lot of surface area on the snow, you're, you're going to float. And so, right. Whether it's east to west or north to south. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but like going wider, obviously you do slow down the like responsiveness of the, 
of your turns, you know, but I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things you take another day to get used to it and, you know, right there. I like it. All right. We're going to get into, uh, a big topic. Now you've transitioned into an outdoorsman kind of hunting role and we have a guest question from none other than Eric Jackson. Greetings, Bombhole listeners. E-Jack here. Hey, Scott. Got a couple questions for you, bud. First, what similarities do you find between hunting and boarding? Second, I was hoping you could tell the audience about your first archery elk hunt this last fall and the blowdown from hell that we had to go through mm. to get back to camp. All right, can't wait to listen. Much love, y'all. Okay, what is some, so I know, right? Like, we just can jump right into hunting. So, like, first of all, a little backdrop and a little backstory behind my outdoorsiness. I just, I grew up hunting as, as a little kid. And um, my dad got me into it. A lot of archery hunting, bow and arrow. Um, some muzzleloader, a lot of muzzleloader, single shot, um, shotgun hunting, upland bird hunting. It was just, just part of my roots, part of my upbringing, something that I love to do. I'm very knowledgeable of, uh, well, apparently not that knowledgeable according to these, uh, bogus questions. No, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but, uh, it makes you so knowledgeable of the land and the environment and, um, I love that. And I just love learning. I love learning about the animals and I love learning about the environment. And the more, you know, essentially the better you can kind of take and care for the animals and the habitat that they live in. I think that's one huge thing that's overlooked in hunting. Um, and I know obviously it's like, all right, you know, there's a, it's very polarizing topic because there's a lot of people out there who or anti-hunting, and I understand, right? Like, I'm not going to argue with you, you know? I get it, you know? People love animals. Hell, I love animals. I do. I love them. I love them. I respect them. I think they're unbelievable, but um, I just like to eat them more, you know? Uh, <laughs> um, but so I started, you know, when I started kind of fading away from from snowboarding, first of all, I kind of started fading away because I just wasn't really – I didn't really want to risk getting hurt anymore. It just wasn't really quite worth it for me. And so it was a kind of a slow fade away from snowboarding. I look back and I'm like, could I like still have been competing and still filming? Like, I'm like, hell yeah. You know, I still think I could actually could maybe not compete, but I think I could still throw it out a video part, you know? Um, but it was just, it was just kind of natural for me to be like, you know, just, I don't think it's quite worth it for me anymore, you know, to, to be at that level. Um, so hunting was something that I've always done and been, it's been huge, huge part of my life. Um, and I've just kind of been making a job out of it somehow. Um, working with six hour, um, out in New Hampshire, lacrosse boots and waders, um, four low, they do camouflage, uh, Moultrie mobile, they do, um, game cameras. Um, yeah, that's. It's kind of my my little thing now. It's cool. it's cool. Yeah, it's amazing. Looking at your snowboard behind you, it doesn't have hunting stick or doesn't have snowboard stickers. It's got hunting brand stickers. I know, it's so <laughs> sick. I love it. So EJ started getting into hunting, right? And it's like any time, like any 
person that I hear getting into hunting from the snowboard world, I'm like, you know, all about it. So me and Ejax planned a trip to Colorado this year um, over the counter, which means like anyone can go and buy a tag for for elk. Usually, I think Colorado might be the only state you can do that. Usually you have to apply and it's pretty hard to draw a tag, but uh, Colorado, you can just go and buy a tag. So we set out and we, uh, we, you know, we camped in the wilderness and we found different zones and it was like the, one of the funnest trips that I've had in a while. It was super, super tough. I mean, we're carrying in huge packs, packed down like eight, like, like legitimately like 80 pounds. Like you have like a human strapped to your back, like Mac maxed out because you're carrying all your food all your gear your bow your call i mean like you you name it um but uh we uh, i ended up I ended up getting a bull bull there but where we got him was just in this gnarly blowdown section where we had to go through it was just h- hundreds of trees piled up on top of each other and it took us like an hour to go like a quarter of a mile, you know, it's just the most challenging thing ever. And, um, I don't know. Yeah. I guess that's what Ejax was talking about, but definitely one of the things you don't forget is just the hell that you go through together. Um, it was, it was cool though. How long is that trip? Uh, I think we did. Well, Ejax spent a whole month out there. Um, he was like, all right. Cause when we first started a trip, he's like, all right, I'm going to give you, like, the first shot. If we have, like, one shot at that bull, he's like, I want you to take because you've never killed an elk before. Um, and uh, he's like, I know I'm going to be out here for, like, a month. And he's like, I'll probably get it done. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to fight you on that. Like, oh, <laughs> hell yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks. So uh, our trip ended up being, I think, maybe 12 days, maybe something like that. Like, 12 days, but it was epic. Just in the backcountry the whole time, you know, sleep, sleeping in the woods and, and uh, trying to get on the elk, super challenging because there's a million other hunters out there, right? And the animals aren't dumb. They're super smart, and they know, you know, that they're being hunted. So you got to kind of almost try your best to outthink them, outthink the other hunters, you know, just get away from people, essentially. That's that's the name of the game. So uh, we had to call them in and all that. Yeah, it's kind of hard on public on public land. They get, it's so pressured that they've heard, like, they just know. <laughs> they, like, they're like, mm, no, that's another hunter, you know? So, like, it's kind of like spawn stock almost, you know? So these that bull that I killed, he ended up um, bugling a little bit, but we really didn't call to him too much. You know, we kind of just snuck right into into his zone. Mm. Now, I've been told my friend Alex, uh, I think, killed an elk this year, and, and I heard it when you, when you draw back, like when you draw back and you actually, because, you know, you, you talk about a 12-day trip, how many times did you even have a have a shot? Well, that was it. That was, was just it. one one shot. So when you're, you know, when you're, yeah, I'd love to hear. Yeah, about so the this experience. is with a bow and arrow too. Yeah. You know, so just to like you know clarify. So I'm pulling like you know seventy pounds back. Then you have you once you hit a certain point, it becomes a little bit easier, but it's still kind of hard to hold. You know, um, and it's always insanely nerve wracking because you're you know you, the, the goal of it is. I mean, to be quite frank, is is to kill the bull, right? Is to is to kill the animal, but you want to do it as quickly and cleanly as possible, right? Because you want to put him down with like zero feeling, right? That's the whole goal. So, like, it's so much nerves and so much pressure when you're holding back that bow, and you want to make the perfect shot because you don't want this this animal to suffer at all. And and with a well placed arrow, I promise you, these animals do not feel a thing. 
Like they 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 go down and they die quick. Uh, so that's that's your goal. And um, and yeah, we we got it done. We got. Were one. you shaking when you pulled back? Oh, dude, I was shaking big time. It's on film. Me and him made a film. Uh, that's gonna come. Uh, it's probably gonna drop next August. And I mean, we're, I would where I was like borderline hyperthermia too, and mixed with like adrenaline. So like, me and Ejax were like, <laughs> like straight up like shaking. It was it was kind of cool. I mean yeah. to, and then to draw a comparison with the snowboarding, like this seems like that point where, like, how do you stew down those nerves when you've got that draw? And you're pulled back, and you're shaking, and you're just like, "All right, Dude, that's that's a good point, right?" Like, I don't think a lot of people do, right? It's like a lot of people like break under pressure competing at snowboarding, and a lot of people break under pressure when it comes down to like making a good shot on a deer. It's called like buck fever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they just call it buck fever, but really, it's just folding yeah, folding under <laughs> under the pressure. You know what I mean? Uh, so I do a lot of visualization, just like I used to do in snowboarding. You know, like there's like every every aspect. So. I think there's similarities in that to answer Ejax's question. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, I think there's also similarities in in the mountains, like hunting in the mountains and being in the wilderness. There's peace to that. Um, there's, there's like there's some tranquility, um, and then there's also a crazy adrenaline rush that you get from from both as well. So I think those are some good side by sides, but. We got a Patreon question from Nicholas Susiero. Uh, and he says, what gives you a bigger high in life? Getting an 8, 10 plus point buck or landing a new trick you've never tried before? And which one makes you want to come back for more? That's a good question. Honestly, they're pretty pretty comparable. Um, but probably, probably doing a trick for the first time overrides that. Um, they're... There's, there's something special about that where, you know, if you've been trying it for a long time and, and uh, you know, you've battled for it and you finally get it and you get it the way you want, it, you want to do it, you know, you just get that surge of adrenaline. Or if you landed the run that you wanted to land in the contest, same, same feeling. Um, there's definitely, like, a feeling that can't be topped. Uh, so I would, I would have to go with that. All right, I got another hard-hitting question. This one's This is the real meat and potatoes right here. Who's a better hunter, you or Ejack? Oh, um, uh, awkward. <laughs> uh, well, dude, I, I mean, it's been it's been my life since since I've been a little kid. Um, I've got a lot more experience than Ejack, so I got to go with myself. You got him covered. But I you know what? Him. Though Ejax is unbelievable. He is learning super quick, and he's ar- he's already like a very experienced hunter. He's a great shot. Um, he's insanely motivated. Like literally like give it another year and he's going to be one of the best like he's he's awesome yeah you guys you know it's it's crazy too you guys videos like you look at the videos that ejack puts out and like huge numbers like views and stuff and and it's like a combination of like snowboarding and hunting or fishing or whatever and it does seem like there's a big crossover between snowboarders being in the mountains and maybe hunting hunters being outside do you do you see that crossover in what you do i think so i mean i don't know it's kind of hard for me to you know see that i feel like i've filtered out all the haters on my instagram and facebook it's like when i first when i first like started posting on hunting it's like dude i would get death threats Mm. so many haters so you know and i think i've just probably just filtered out 
all the people who just hate hunting. Um, so I don't really see it too much anymore, but I don't know. I don't, uh, do you think there's, you think there's a big crossover? Actually, I mean, I just think about the views on those videos. I'm like, there's gotta be, or maybe, do you feel like, what do you think is a bigger population of like fans, like out, the outdoor hunting space or the snowboarding space? For me, yeah, uh, snowboarding yeah. still, yeah. yeah. But it's just in general, do you think it's a bigger audience in in outdoors? Mm. I don't know, man. That's a good. It's probably pretty damn close on yeah. both. Dude, so I would love. I to mean, if we if we look up like we can look up like license sales, hunting license sales, yeah, and you know all across the states or like whatever, just like Michigan, you know, pretty pretty damn impressive. Totally. It was like five hundred thousand. Bow hunters, you know what I mean? In Michigan, you know, you're just like, what? Really? It's unbelievable. Some reason kind of mops it up. Yeah, hundred percent. It's interesting. I, that's interesting about the hate thing. You know, it's it's the the I hunting situation. It. Yeah, like I understand it. And listen, it is what it is. You know, I'm sure I'm going to offend a lot of people out there. You know, but I haven't bought meat in freaking fifteen years. Yeah. You know, like legitimately, I have. Two big stand-up freezers. I kill kill all the meat that I eat. Yeah, that's just that. I just, <laughs> yeah. Do I enjoy it? Do I love the hunt? Yes, absolutely. But I eat what I kill. You know, and yeah, that's a good point. Is what it is. You know, I know that. Uh, I think another misconception that's important to talk about too with hunting is that you know the when you pay to go hunt, you get your you know, your duck tag or your stamp or your deer tag or your stamp or whatever it is, right? And then... Well, yeah, like, you get your waterfowl. Well, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of hoops to go. But so that waterfowl stamp that you're talking about goes direct directly to conservation. Yes. So it is the... Um, yeah, it's the federal duck stamp. Yeah. Right? So, like, there's a different duck on it every year. So that's... Was that $25 or something like that? So that $25, if you have... If you want to go hunt ducks, you have to buy that duck stamp. It's a physical stamp you can buy at post office that goes right to conservation, um, directly, you know, conserving uh, the, I think like the, you know, coastal habitats and, and marsh habitats yep. of of the ducks and stuff like that. So 100%. Um, and, and that number is in the billions too, like the, the revenue that's been uh, like collected over the years to protect these animals is in the billions. Like I, I, I Googled it cause I figured we'd be talking about hunting and it was something like $11 billion is raised from hunters to protect and conserve, you know, protects the animals, protects the lands. And I think like one thing people don't think about is like that money is also like preventing people from building on those lands. So it's not like, Oh, we're going to put a strip mall here or we're going to put yeah. a bunch of homes oh, and yeah. you know, protecting those habitats is important. Oh dude. It's the biggest thing. I've actually been doing a lot of work with, uh, this land trust locally, Southeast Land Trust, they're, they're out of New Hampshire, and I've raised some money for them because I see what they're doing and I believe in what they're doing. They're they're saving forest land, old farmland, you know, marshland, swamp land from, from being developed on, you know, and it's just like, um, I don't know. I just, I believe in it so much, and, and um, I want there to be the great habitat for all the wildlife, you know, and I want there to to be land to to hunt on and to roam about and and for the animals to be on. And a lot of people just are just not that they have a problem with it, but they just are just naive to it. You know, they just they just don't know, you know. These animals need space, you know, and uh we're just encroaching so much on them. Mm-hmm. Um that it's yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, hunters do. They do a lot for conservation. 
And the funny thing is, it's just, it's, you know, it seems pretty backwards because we kill them, but, you know, we love the animals and we protect them more than anyone out there, you 100%. know? Yeah, it doesn't seem backwards. Yeah, I always really. think, do you ever think about this too? It's like, you you think about, you know, I, I used to hunt ducks pretty regularly, haven't been doing it as much as I used to, but like there's something when you wake up at four o'clock in the morning and you're like trudging through like a swamp, which would be like an actual miserable experience. If you're like, right. I'm going to wake up. You're going through like, yeah. At four in the morning, it's freezing. I'm going to walk through a swamp and like it, there's no, no part of it that would be like inviting as a thing to go do, but you're like excited. And part of me wonders if it's like instinctually in us as just human beings, the w- same way like, you know, how dogs are. Like we have natural, we have, although we're in this weird society that's been crazy developed, I do think we have some type of like instincts that aren't really like fostered. I don't know if that you ever think about that stuff. Yeah, we got some primal instincts, you know, that's for sure. I mean, like I, you love it, you know, um, yeah, I think that that shit's just kind of ingrained in us, you know. Yeah, I think for some people more than others, too. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. And it's same like people love gardening. It's kind of simple. It's you know, some people get all hyped on their vegetables. People like hunting, and I think those two types of things. If you think about hunter gatherer shit, I mean, I'm not a philosopher at all. This is no, just dude, let's hear it. But no, like, I know where you're going, no, and I, like, I back it. You know, like the why are those things so like rewarding? I think they're just innately in us deeply. They are. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, they are. So interesting stuff to talk about. Yeah. So you got you know, the crazy thing is too. It's like, dude, vegetables are alive. Yeah. Like, I mean. Point. It, not to get like super deep, but like it is the truth. They are alive. They are living. They are breathing. No proof that there's feeling, but they can like communicate. You know what I'm saying? It's like one tree is being attacked by this this bug. It can send out signals to the next tree 25 feet over using like mycelium. You know, and it'll like create a stronger barrier. You know, to protect against from this invasive. You know, this invasive bug. It's amazing. Yeah. You know. Um. So. That's yeah. sick. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. And then there's something about hunting, too, where you feel connected to your environment on a much deeper level, right? You're, like, listening. You're hearing the birds. You're hearing – you're really, like – you're really there. You're not just kind of taking up space. You're in it. Yeah. And it's, like, all the stuff. It's, like, now it's, like, I, all right, I know where, like, ducks lay their eggs, right? And I'm observing to it. So I see ducks, you know. It's, like, all right, I just saw that those ducks just went in, and that's where they have their nest, they don't want me, you know, if I were to, I usually go mow that zone, you know what I mean? I'm going to keep it like unmowed, you know, for like the person who doesn't know about that, you know, would, that would just go right over their head and they would mow over that section, which would be good habitat. You know, like I like take the hit, it looks ugly as hell, you know, but I know that's good habitat and that's what they need. And I understand, you know, that that's better for for the critters, you know what I mean? Oh, so that's, like, kind of, like, a super small example of, like, the things that you, you know, I don't know, the thing, things that you can kind of, yeah, exactly, yeah. nurture. Yeah. yeah. Now, I remember you went viral a few years ago for, I think you are on a goose hunt, and you yeah, you're, you snagged a goose, and then you went hip shot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, we were just, like, we were smashing some, some geese, and I was running out I was grabbing the geese that we had just killed and there was another big flock coming in and uh one of the one of the geese we had shot got up and was flying away and I was running back I had you know my shotgun on my one hand and then and two or three geese in the other hand I mean I guess I could have just like dropped the geese and shouldered the shotgun regular but 
he was flying right by, and I was like, I'm just going to shoot him one-handed. You know, I knew I could do it. Just And my buddy would just happen to be filming, you know, and just got the craziest shot of me shooting this goose, and it was just ripping by one-handed. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Sick. Yeah, my yeah. buddy Winkler was going berserk over that clip. He was nice. Like, yeah. <laughs> All right, we are introducing the GoPro line of the winter contest. Now, they got $120,000 in cash prizes for ski and snowboard POV clips and the opportunity to be crowned GoPro line of the winter. Now, to enter, upload your raw footage from any GoPro camera to the GoPro line of the winter challenge at gopro.com slash awards and post your line with the hashtag GoPro line of the winter. Now, what's up for grabs? We got 10 grand each for four ski and four snowboard clips from January through April. And then they got 20 grand each for one skier and one snowboarder whose run is crowned GoPro line of the winter in May. Each month, GoPro athletes Jamie Anderson, Sage Kosberg, Tom Wallace, and more will judge and select their favorite clips to take home the cash. Submissions will be judged on athletic performance, video capture quality, and overall wow factor. So get out there, record some A-grade lines, and you could be the GoPro line of the winter winner. All right, we got one more Patreon question. Shout out to our Patreon members. This is Cake Pound Crew. It says, yo, Scotty, we are big fans over here. What is your preferred method of hunting deer, and why is that your preferred method? Oh, uh, I mean... I love to um, track them down in the snow. That's by far my my favorite method. So that's usually with uh, a rifle or with with a muzzleloader or a shotgun. So, I mean, you could try it with a bow, but like, good luck. <laughs> it just ain't happening because they are so good. But there's nothing. There's no better adventure than going out in the middle of the day and you having no clue where you're going to end up or where that deer is going to take you. So what a, a typical day will be will wake up before the sun, hopefully have a little bit of snow on the ground, go travel in the woods until we find a deer track, right? The deer track, we're looking for a big one, um, and it's got to be fresh, right? Fresh enough to where you know you can at least try to catch up to it. Um, there's different ways to judge the track to see how big it is, how heavy it is, and um, what I'm after, I'm after big bucks. Um, so I'm trying to judge it, see how big it is, and um, – and then you'd usually just either park your truck and set your GPS or just, you know, check your compass reading because you're in the, you know, you're in the, the big woods, a big forest where there's just nothing around. And you take off on it and you never know where you're going to end up. And usually what you'll end up going miles and miles, you know, anywhere from average day from like, you know, th- you know four miles to, you know, 15 miles. And that's just staying on this one deer the whole time. And you have maybe have multiple encounters with him or he's still 10 miles in front of you, you know, and it's, it, it's, that's all part of it. But you go through some of the coolest terrain and, and you get to live in his footsteps all day. Mm-hmm. And also you're like behind like the biggest deer possibly of your life. Cause there's giants where, where, where I go hunting Northern Maine. So yeah, that's, that's the best. It's fun. It's an adventure. You learn a lot. You see a lot of crazy stuff. And uh, there's nothing, nothing easy about it, even with a gun in your hand. Um, I've been skunked for, like, the last two years, um, and I put a lot of time, a lot of time in tracking. But Yeah. Cool. 
I yeah, it's that. just cool. The it's day, just like day in their in their footsteps. I think is so sick. It's the That's truth. Such a good, yeah, and there's so little little clues that you can pick up that uh, as you get to become a better tracker that you just understand and you understand why this deer did this or what this deer starting to look like, you know, or how fresh this track is for this certain reason. And there's, I just like it cause it's, it's kind of old school, right? It's kind of like native American. It's like tracking and it's, it's, um, I don't know. I just, I like that. I think, I think it's cool. And you got, there's gotta be some, I mean, I don't know. I've never done any deer hunting, but like, you know, their shit, right? Like you, that's going to be a big indicator whether it's fresh or it's been sitting there for a while. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, especially if it's super cold, right? If it's super cold and it's not frozen, then, you know, you know you're know pre- you pretty close to it. Yeah. I like that. Well, we skipped over. I forgot to get into a guest question from Mason Aguirre. Let's hit this one. <coughs> Scotty Lego, Mason Aguirre here. Happy bomb hole. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to see this episode. Uh, there's lots of very good things I could say about you. Uh, very little bad things I could say about you. I will say that my favorite video part of yours is from a little movie called The Boned Age by Grenade Gloves, in which you displayed not only boning on camera of your snowboard, but also insanely good acting skills, um, which I wish I could see on a daily basis. Uh, That being said, my question is, what impact did getting kicked out of the Olympics have on your acting role in the boned age two true displays of badassness that must be discussed i hope this question finds you well and i love you brother later fuck mace that's a pretty abstract question there uh i don't know man uh In relation to the bone age. <laughs> yeah, so. I don't even know, dude. Well, I guess if you like cal- calcify the quantum physics of the um, acting and parlay that to the uh, quantifiable data that we're getting in around the Olympic kicking out stadium, I think that the bone of the age is roughly in calculations with the acting career yeah. of. Yeah. That checks out. Yeah, that sounds like that you finished out. high school. Yeah, that does yeah. sound like a high school graduate calculation there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I like it. Good stuff. Um, I, ju- I think your the answer is really very abstract question, Mason. So that's it. Yeah, I don't know how to answer that one. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Thanks for calling in, Mason. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, then let's go to. Oh, one other thing I have a note about before we do hot takes, which is very fun, is that. There's some story about New Zealand where you flew down there, got in a bar fight, flew home, flew back. Can you yeah. walk us through that one? Yeah. Um, that was, uh, I know, another fight fight one. But they're good stories. I wouldn't mm. love to hear a good fight story. You know okay. what I mean? So we're out at in uh, Wanaka, New Zealand, and we were in the bar at Shooters. I think it was called Shooters right there on, like, the main, right by the lake. And I was leaving the bar and Jack was coming with me uh, Jack Matrani was coming with me and uh, there was like these dudes out front there was two or three guys t- just talking shit right just blah, blah, blah. They're, they were trying to start something with me and Jack and I didn't think anything of it I'm like dude I'm just gonna keep going like I don't wanna 
mess with these guys, you know. I have no intention of, you know, giving it back to them. So I kept walking, and I'm like 60 yards away, and Jack's still back there talking shit. I'm like, oh, dude. I'm like, Jack, come on. Let's go, dude. Come on. Jack's still back there chirping it up with him. I'm like, oh, my God, dude. All right, so I roll back, and I'm trying to pull Jack back, right? In the meantime, these guys are just chirping, chirping super hard. And, you know, I've had a little bit to drink and obviously leaving the bar. Um, and one of these guys said something super rude. I forget what it was. Just pissed me off. And <laughs> stupid, stupid. I uh, I spit on him. Right then and there, I'm like, oops. It's no turning back from that, you know. that, that And that was it, you know. So we started fighting. And um, me and Jack were holding hold their own. And... I remember, like, really doing some more more wrestling than there was punching, you know. Um, then just more and more uh, New Zealanders started coming out of the bar and, and kind of backing up their buddies. So it was just like, all right, we're pretty well outnumbered right now. I think Zimmerman was there. Tim Zimmerman was there. And I think he, like, maybe broke us up at one point, you know. So anyways, these dudes were fired up. They were, I felt like there was, like, ten of us and against me and Jack. And we're all right. You know, we made it out all right. And uh, I'm backing up with my hands up, right? Like, just, like, I'm backing up actually down the street, like, with my hands up, like, walking, just trying to get out of the situation, you know? Apparently, Jack wasn't, because all of a sudden, I just heard this mm. boom. And I, I look to my left, and Jack is sitting, Indian style, knocked out, like, no, like blood pouring out of his nose. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I look up, and I just saw the guy. He did it. And I just do, like, a crow hop right into this dude. I just absolutely smoke him in the face. And um, I think I broke my knuckle on either his face or whatever or the wrestling that ensued after. So I ended up breaking my my knuckle here. Can you see it's like the mm-hmm. – I, I got a big knuckle here. Um, ended up, like, chipping the, chipping the bone and pulling the tendon off. So um, – I had to go back to the States, get surgery. The dude made it bomb-proof, like put all kinds of pins and screws in it and stuff like that, and then threw a cast on. And then we were on we were on a shoot, a team shoot, I think. Uh, maybe Bill, Billabong catalog shoot, I think. And they flew back to New Zealand, which is like, dude, that's, that's like a two-day adventure. Like, it's gnarly. It's expensive, and, like, it's like a two-day, like, travel, you know? So I was just like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. Came back, and then on one of the... Um, one of the shoots, we were doing some heli boarding, and I ended up getting a cover um, on that, like, right when I came back on one of the rocks that I hit. Um, you can see, I think you can see the cast, or maybe had a sock over the cast or something like that. Uh, so, kind of kind of a funny story. But. Yeah, that's dope. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, it's a lot of travel time for a uh, haymaker. Yeah. 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 Worth yeah. it, though, for the cover. Yeah, worth it. I'll do it all, yeah, all again. All right, well, we're, we're going to get into hot takes. This is uh, basically kind of semi-rapid fire, right? So you just we run through a bunch of different questions. Uh, we do it at the end of every episode. Uh, we always start off with the goat of snowboarding, both male and female. Who's your, to you, who's your goat? I think I got to go with Terry Hawkinson. For women, I think I got to go with, um, I think I got to go with Jamie Anderson. I think uh, she's just been a ripper since she's like been a little grom and still absolute killer. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Jamie, Jamie Anderson. Love it. Solid. Okay. Is snowboarding an art or a sport? I think it's a 
Both? I think it's both. Yeah, definitely both. Who, in your opinion, is one of the most underrated riders? Zach Normandin, 100%. Yeah, he's pretty underrated. Yep. The most underrated snowboarder out there, Zach Normandin. Uh, steel or powder? Uh, I'll go with powder. Everyone always gets this one wrong. It's yeah, weird. It is. Yeah, it's it's Every a time. wrong answer. <laughs> hey, who's Who's got the best style ever? I'm going to go with Mikel Bang. Mm, great choice. Ooh. I don't know if we've got that one yet. I don't think so. I love I it, though. Yeah. Okay, uh, who's that's got... A, that's a hard one to argue with, too, though. Dude, it's... There's, a, yeah, there's, it's a, you could go so many riders, dude. Pretty I unarguable, mean, yeah. There's so many riders, dude. Okay, who has your favorite method? Hawken, Ben Ferguson, Mueller. We'll go with those three. Who... Uh, what's your favorite snowboard video ever made? True Life. And The Resistance. Best snowboard graphic ever made? Uh, probably 2022, a double barrel. I think it was Lego snowboards. <laughs> <laughs> it was that red graphic. I think it was, oh, yeah, hell yeah. This one right here. <laughs> That's super fresh. Yeah. Great answer. I like it. Okay. Uh, if you go heliboarding three people in the world, dead or alive, you're going good times. You're not riding like gnarly. You're just going for a trip of your life. Who you, who you bring in the heli? Three. Let's do it, boys. Us three. Wow, Silk. Let's yeah, go. Let's go. Let's go. Wow. Oh, I'm getting let's lost make it out oh, there. dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Silk's going to be a bit of a liability, but yeah. uh, other than that, we Sorry, should We good. just met today, man, you know? Yeah, we're good. I got it. It'll be fine. Yeah. That's Silk, a good pack. Silk's fit will be on. Silk will have the best fit, though. Absolutely. Yeah. His kit I mean, will be A fine. lot of cotton. We'll come out with photos <laughs> this day. No beacon. No. No beacon. You'll hear me. You'll hear me. <laughs> You'll hear me. Okay, we got, uh, oh, here we go. This is a good one. Dream sponsor. Any sponsor in the world doesn't have to be a snowboard related. It can be, the world is your oyster. Yeah. Man, I just quit Zen, so my skull would be pretty dreamy, dude. I don't know. Let's just go with it, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I'm no, I'm going to go Zen. Zen, dude. Zen. Okay. I like that. Um, And then, uh, Hold on, what am I forgetting here? Worst trend. Oh, yeah, last question. Worst trend. Yeah, either spending, like, insane amount of time on your phone or shopping hard as hard as my wife does. An Amazon guy comes to my house, like, every single day, and he's, like, my best friend. Um, yeah, just, like, spending money like a wild man um, is pretty bad. I don't really like that trend. I like that. <laughs> Kind of do too. That's a great. That's a, that's, good a, that's a good take. It's a real take. We can <laughs> yeah, all get yeah, behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, er, this is an interesting one because you mentioned Dream Sponsor School, and now I know you're you're off the chewing tobacco, and respect for that because it's fucking horrible for you, and we don't condone it. But during your competitive days, I know you were always one to be on the school. Were you like throwing in a big wad of you know long cut before dropping in for a final or anything did you ever do that great question uh, yeah yeah no, for sure yeah before and after and yeah <laughs> probably during uh yeah olympics did you have a wad of chewing smoke cigarettes oh cigarettes okay why i hope my dad i hope my dad's not listening to this i know he's not he but is. unless someone rats me out no one better rat me out to my dad i'm calling him <laughs> please don't i won't uh, no, I, I smoked a little bit of cigarettes, a little bit here and there. Not, the not proud of it, yeah. I mean, some of the best 
some of the best did. Why? Why did you switch longer. though from for the Olympics to go to cigarettes instead of? <laughs> I was just I just dabbling just a little bit. Of, yeah, just a little bit of dip, a little bit of cigarettes. That's just fair enough. Yeah, just the nicotine. So harder to find you without a dip than with a dip is what I'm understanding. In any pipe scenario. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. Well, there's you got you got a multitude of of <laughs> dipping scenarios. You got your, you know, your agony of defeat dip, right? You got yeah, throwing in for that. <laughs> you got your yeah. victory dip. Yeah, your victory dip. Absolutely. You got to calm the nerves dip. Calm the nerves. Calm the you nerves know, dip. Yeah. you got first wake up first thing in the morning. Got to throw a dip in. Wake and dip. Got to take oh. a dump. Yeah. Uh, after lunch dip. Thank you. <laughs> after breakfast dip. Yep. You know, boring, is, boring chair ride, throwing a dip. You know what I mean? What's the like, favorite dip, though? Like, I don't know. Let me scared to kind of do this trick. Let me kind of dip about it. You know what I mean? Just let me dip like, about yeah, it. Yeah, let me just kind of like put this one off just for another five minutes. I don't know. Dude, I got to dip about it. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just dip about that. What, where's your know. favorite dip in the day? In a 12-hour period. Skull, skull mint. No, no, favorite. Oh. Dip, like, is oh, it so your wake and dip? Or is it the your... Breakfast coffee dip. After it's, lunch it's, uh, dip? It's, it's uh, yeah, after fatty meal dip. After yeah. the meal dip. Yeah, after the meal dip. So you can have three amazing dips a day because you can go breakfast, lunch, and din. Yep. After dip. Yep. I just want to preface this with saying we do not condone no, chewing yeah. tobacco. Oh, Nobody should do, do it. It's horrible when you get addicted. It literally is. It's horrible. Uh, you like, never will up. be able to get off of it. It's However, true, from like this conversation, <laughs> it is the most like addictive drug ever. Well, from this conversation, I might <laughs> start dipping. So don't you do that? Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so addicted. Okay, yeah. that's good stuff. Well, we talked setups. So, um, what what bindings you're on? You don't have flows on there anymore. Uh, Burton, Burton, Malavitas. Uh, Why wouldn't you ride flows? Um, I was I was on them for. A while when I wasn't sponsored by him, but I just, I was on flow for so long, I wanted to try something else. And then I just started riding Burton, and then, um, I don't know, I just... Do they still make flows? Is it still... Yep, yeah. yep, Burton, I think, in, uh, Bur- I mean Burton, uh, Flow, Nidecker, or like... Oh, you know, they combined since, on that yep, Nidecker yep, binding. Com- yep. Okay, combined that in, makes yeah. some sense. I can see yep. the, I can see the uh, relationship. Yep. Absolutely. Well, uh, do you set up your board? I'm I'm curious. A lot of pipe guys they go like crazy forward lean. Were you uh, were you cranking? On, do you still run crazy forward lean? Not really. No, I never really it looks pretty oh. straight up. I mean, a little bit. Not really. Did you run a stiff dog, or is that kind of a similar setup to what you rode when you're um, a little bit stiffer than this? Yeah, yeah, a little bit stiffer. But uh, I kind of softened it up for a little bit more playful, and a little bit better for the general public because like. It's not really that fun to ride a super stiff board, but it, it, it definitely helps in, in pipe, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, can I ask one question real quick? I feel like there's a right answer to this. I'm actually looking for a specific answer, but what is your favorite feeling trick besides just doing a big method in the mm. pipe? Yeah, good question. Um, what would be your favorite just singular, mm. I want to do this? Yeah. It I feels got, sick every single time. I got two answers. Um, yeah, besides a method or like, like boosting the air in the pipe, right. I think uh, a backside five. Backside fives, I love. I've always loved them. Love backside fives and uh, switch rodeo fives. 
Switchback Rodeo. Switchback Rodeo Ooh. 5, yeah. yeah. Switchback Rodeo 5. So you come up. Okay, sick. Yep. Just like the way they come around, and once you're in the air, it's the easiest thing. You just kind of spot the landing the whole time, and I don't know. I love I love them. I was actually s- looking for air to fakey, but those will oh, okay. work. Okay, got it. Yeah, like air to, I mean, dude, yeah. I have this vision in your head of you airing it to fakey with the crowd down there and looking at them the way you described that, and I can't imagine much feeling better than that. 20 feet up, bone you know, nose bone or melon to fake yeah. crowd down yeah, there. Yeah, no, good air to fake. He's awesome, dude. Or a frontside alley-oop. Ooh. Ooh. Um, mm-hmm. It's a great feeling one. But, yeah, no, I mean, I can't can't say that's a, that's a bad one, too. That's that's an awesome one. Back fives, rowdy. Never could have done that. The, uh, the switchback rodeo is a good take, too, because it's like you don't have to edge. You can go dead straight. You yeah. pop like crazy. Pop like crazy. You on can them. go half the why. speed if you half the speed. On, on a normal so trick because you don't edge or something. I don't know right. why. But I think we have similar switchback rodeos. Just full dump. Yeah, dumpy. Just dump them. Yeah. So five is back to regs. Regular, yeah. Another trick. So more, it's almost just rolls. Yep. Just a, so that's why you get that feel. Yep. And then you did a back rodeo 1080 in bondage. Um, I don't know. Did I? Yes. A regular back rodeo? Regular. Time? Okay. You are forgetting this. I don't remember. I don't. It's insane. That would be like, that's better than any trick I've ever done. Oh, is it in the powder? In, in the powder, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And your, so your regular back rodeo is you kind of like, it's almost like you got the water in your ear, like wild caddy flip, and your switch ones are full dumpers. Yeah. Right? I wish I could do my regular ones like I do my switch ones. Mm. I would like to do them like I do my switch ones. But, um, I do them differently. Hmm. Now, we have a conversation here at the Bomb Hole about who do you think can do, who's going to be able to do the oldest McTwist? Like, at, like at, at when somebody's 80, like, who's still going to be able to McTwist? Yeah. I feel like we, we don't actually put Scotty's name in the conversation. You've always been more of a back fiver. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't put my name in there because yeah. I don't know how to do a McTwist. <laughs> at one point, I did. At one point, I did. I had um, some good McTwist. And then I went down this crazy, like, path you know how like pat moore or actually like scotty james is doing that revert yeah right i started doing that by like unintentionally right i couldn't like do it and like that so that's how like pat moore essentially started like doing that i think it's because i was like i was running into that problem and he just turned it kind of into a trick you know and i was like i couldn't like get him back down and like that just totally effed me up and I just lost it. It's like one of the only tricks that I lost that I'm so bummed about because I think Mickey's are so sick, dude. And I wish I could do just a chicken wing Mickey because I would do that all the time. Um, and I still think, like, dude, like Sean should just drop in and just do a big old Mickey like he used to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Those are my favorite. Or his alley oop backside radios. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, mm-hmm. what? Doing that first hit? Are you kidding me, dude? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, not me, but... All right, let's talk names. Let's talk hypothetical. Because you got Danny Davis's mm-hmm. name is in there. Turier's name's in there. I mean, J.P. Walker. Jer- I mean, you could, you guys can still Mickey like oh, yeah. the best of them. Yeah. Uh, Richards, Chad Otterstrom. Right. You know, oh, these are, dude. These yeah, are, these are all top contenders. But it's really, it's, it's almost about who's going to have the most vitality in their old age. I think so. Chad, Chad will, in my opinion, never miss the, ro- the movement. Like, if he can stand on a snowboard... I think he'll probably do a yeah. twist. I think who snowboards more than Otterstrom? 
Nobody. Who has put in more miles snowboarding? Him, Kinger, Danny Davis, like Tim Humphreys. Like literally, like those, like those guys snowboard more than anyone that I know of. Those Those are are like my top. Yeah, repping. I got a sidebar though, because JP Walker takes the best care of of himself out of anybody. JP eats like freaking nuts, and he's like healthy. And he's like, he's just like skins good. So I think as you get into like 75, 80, 85, 90, if JP maintains his level of vitality, like I think that like, you know, some of these other guys are going to start tapering off. But JP's just like, he's not going to age. And he, in terms of taking care of his body, is in contention. You know, we have something to look forward to in the next 40 years, you know? Yeah, I agree. World's oldest McTwist. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna try the day. We're gonna have to stay tuned, I guess. Until then, (laughs) stay tuned. Don't leave. Don't leave yet. (laughs) So we have good stuff to come. Right after X Games Big Air, uh, coming up next, the next event uh, at night on this icy quarter pipe is (laughs) World's Oldest McTwist. Yeah, we're doing it down in the parking lot. It's a tow-in, actually, snowmobile. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Must be 45 to enter. (laughs) Yeah. Must, yeah, that's good. Must be seventy five to enter. Like it's got to be that's real. Fair. Like somebody might die if they like fucking land on the deck, kind of thing. You know, <laughs> die on the battlefield with some honor. We haven't actually yeah. talked talked much uh, features. Like, is this a massive QQ? No, it's got to be small, this? low speed. Like this is nine foot. Not like, we're not talking Arctic it. challenge here. We're not talking Arctic. Like challenge. this can be coping. Yeah. However small you can do it. Truth. You know, like Chad Osherman, I think holds a current world record for the smallest. McTwist yes. ever done? Yeah. Really where? Because I might argue that I actually have that. <laughs> I mean, well, I don't know. Ad. They ran an ad. ad. Yeah. It was an ad, right? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah mine um, was smaller. Yeah. Uh, video proof. <laughs> in Alaska, I did it off a Jersey barrier. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's sick. All right, we're going to have a... <laughs> in, a d- in a double line. We got a bone to pick with uh, Chad, it looks like. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's false advertising. Oh, yeah. I, I, I would say so. Sued. I mean, that's why I've never bought we, one of his boards. I'm thinking we should maybe get some lawyers here and potentially sue him. We could do that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of lawyers that would love this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How many lawyers are out there listening? They'd be like, oh, yeah, bud. We got you. Oh, yeah. Call me. Call me. I'm planning a slip and fall out of here, dude, just so I can kind of get a little piece of the bomb hole. Just FYI. (laughs) Someone wants to represent me out here. This is way more. Throw down a banana and just. (laughs) Way more rich in here than you thought. You're going to walk away with a piece. Yeah. This is good, dude. Well, look at this camera. You, were you at the quarter pipe contest where Luke got towed in and like just got absolutely slaughterhouse fived? It was like a Grand Prix. Yeah, Grand Prix. Toe. Yeah, like, were, that's kind of like what I had in mind when yeah. I was saying, you know, like because it was just not fun and scary. Um, that was in Bre- Breckenridge in like the parking lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was towing quarter pipe at night, like blizzard esque, and like Luke's wearing no goggles. Too. He does. He can ride in a blizzard with no goggles. The only guy ever, like, he must have, like, an extra lens or something like that, like, on his eye. Like, I hit, like, one little small snowflake, and a natural reaction is to close your eyes. You can just you you know, get towed behind a snowmobile with no eyewear and just be fine. But, yeah, he went pretty – I don't remember specifically what you're talking about, but I know the event. He got buckled. I just remember him, like, got getting – he dude, he, it seemed like he had – there was no gauge on speed with a sled tow, and he just went way bigger than expecting and just annihilated. Oh, okay. I'm unfamiliar You're not, th- you're not with talking this. about Jack. Or was it Jack? A- a- Aaron Style, where he landed on his butt on the lip. Oh. No, I was thinking about Luke at the toe-in contest. I swear. Okay. Or maybe he landed it. 
but I thought he got buckled. Okay. I remember that contest, people were going huge, though, that Breckenridge parking lot one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you, you did good at Aaron Style, too, didn't you win? Didn't you? Or uh, Arctic Challenge? No. Aaron, what uh, Aaron Style, I got a, um, I think maybe a second, I think. Quarter pipe? And Kevin, yeah. Yeah. Sick. And that's when you got a car? No. Um, Toyota Bigger. Toyota Bigger, yeah. What'd you do? Switchback 10. Whew. I think. Yeah, switchback Whew. 10. East. Damn. Shit's crazy now, dude. Switchback 10. Like, think about, they're doing 1800s. I know, right? Ten, ten, I know, ten, it's funny. Switchback yeah, 10. Crazy. Heavy. Heavy. Always. Forever. I think it's all come full circle, too, because you did the the little, I saw you as a Grom doing the Budweiser Big Air. Yeah. But now there's the Sam Adams Big Air back from the dead. Yeah, it was like ver- it's version like 2.0. We're doing it at night with like a 3D projected landing. I've done like, I don't know, probably like 20 of those shows. Super fun. They're no longer in existence. I think the last, probably last year was the last year of them. But like, dude, it's no funner time. Get to session this jump. So uh, Will Mayo with uh, Topro. Mm-hmm. Electric, electric so rope toes. So you just hot lap the jump and like, dude, you Get so good at jumping too, because you just hot lap this this jump, hit as many times, and so it would be like a forty five minute show Saturday night, huge firework display. The landing was three D projected. That would be the only light. So super, I mean, not really fun to jump in at during the show because like the landing's like moving and it's low light, and like if you're like doing anything technical, like you're trying to spot the landing and it's like kind of dark and moving, you know. Uh, but we'd pull huge crowds, dude. Like huge crowds, like anywhere from like five thousand to like you know like two thousand to like five thousand people, like at every show, yeah. like like at, you know X Games, like U.S. Open kind of style. Um, so they were super fun, really easy to do, um, and it was just you know it was Sam Adams, so it was just a beer tour. We would have a big party right after. Um, man, I wish they'd have some more of those things, dude, because. Since it's super fun. What kind yeah. of moves we busting? We going switchback road? We going switchback ten? Yeah, some backy. No, just keep it easy, right? Because we're all jumping like right behind each other. So like, do the stuff that you know you can land, or like at least get up quick if you're gonna fall because you've got a dude coming right behind you, right off to the side. You know, you're hitting the jump like right next to someone. You know, so you might go front seven. The other guy will go. You know, if he's goofy, he'll go front seven. You'll kind of spin away from each other a little bit. You know, then you have a guy in the middle right behind you. You know, do doing back one or something. So it was all easier tricks, you know, like from rodeo fives, sevens. You know, they would have a solo round where they'd either do like double backflip or or back seven or you know whatever a nine or you know. Crowd just, loves the double backy too. That I gets, love it. That gets I love it. Double backy. They even like single backies more than double backies. Oddly <laughs> enough, do they? Yeah, like a big old laid sense. out like single. You know. Yeah. Don't get it, but what about the fronties? They get as much love. Oh, frontal units. Yeah, fr- yeah, frontal units. <laughs> Dude, doing a front flip on a huge jump is I, I actually can't speak from experience because it's too terrifying. Like, yeah, I don't know how to do it. But who's, who's insanely good? Is it is it Sebe? Oh, big Sebe's buck. insane. Yeah. yeah, he did it over pyramid. He's so good. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you could say that about a lot of riders. But Sebe is insane, and his fronty is. Psycho. Well, let's talk. It looks, it looks so fun to do it. Like, I'm like, dude, I wish I one. could do that. He just cruises, you know, like sending out text messages, like midair, just like. Mm. Even on his doubles. 
Mm-hmm. He's totally. chilling. Yeah, he's, he's chilling. At Big Air at X Games like five, four years ago or something. Really? But you know, Colonel Kotzenberg has a good laid out, and obviously, True. shout out to OG Ben Hinckley. Yes, Craig, uh, yep. that dude Craig that films with um, uh, Torstein all the time always has an insane one. But I wanted to go back because you're tall. You got kind of lanky. You got a lanky stee, and it it looks awesome. It's fucking incredible. Let's talk tall people. Good style, because seventy buck came to mind with that. Yeah, seventy. He's like six four. Um, yeah, seventy buck. I mean, Mikel Bang. Yep. Um, who else is tall? Bodie. Bodie Merrill's like six Bodie, yep. three or something. Yep. Bodie's tall and he's got good style. Um, I think Matt Matt's Johnson is he? Is he? I don't know. He's not super tall. He kind of looked a little taller. But you know who comes to mind? Louis Vito. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those. One of those riders you think just tall and you know, oh, dude. Oddly enough, um, me people would get me and Louie confused so much. Don't you? I'm not, you I'm not you ask Louie. Yeah, I'm not seeing no it. shit. <laughs> I'm not I know, it. right? It would be we people would call me Louie all the time, and people would call him Scotty all the time. Ask him; it's the craziest thing. That makes no sense. To yeah. me. None. Yeah. Yeah. Rob Rosler, he's like six five. Yeah, Crazy. Clo- he's pushing seven. Engelsman. Engelsman. Engelsman was tall. They couldn't even make pants then yeah. long enough. Yep. Abe Teeter. Now. Abe Teeter, yeah. Absolutely. All right, Scotty. Uh, I think we did it. Um, what's next for Scotty Lego? Man, I'm just going to be uh, working hard on my board brand. You know, kind of stepping it up to the next level, giving it some more love, giving it some more attention it needs to kind of grow. And um, it's always kind of been a little bit of a side project but i'm stepping it up and uh i'm gonna be in the woods more than ever because i love it hunting scouting uh hopefully do another epic trick with uh trip with ejax um and uh yeah raising my boy getting him on the board as much as i can rider and uh enjoying life listen to the bomb hole Love that. Um, okay, and then, you know, before we put a bow on this thing, you want to throw any thank yous or anything else before we wrap? Uh, no, man, I think we, we did it all. Pre- appreciate you guys having me on. Amazing. Well, thank great. you. Thank you for coming and chatting, dude. This has been a blast. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's been fun. Heck, yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Jones, Silk, appreciate you guys. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Chris. Uh, one, one parting? Yeah, we'll do, let's do a party. Let's send, oh, yeah. send yeah. off. Send yeah, we'll off. Send off. Salt. Yeah. Run through wall smelling salts available at bombhole.com. Oh. 24 hours a day. Got a good one. Yeah. <sighs> I'll be honest, I'm a little raw. I'm feeling a little raw. Hit kind of a lot of these oh. today. Oh. Wow. Oh, good end cap. That's good. Oh, yeah. You know, these could be good in like the duck blind. Oh, for sure. Dude, you got to take yeah, these in the like, duck oh, blind. It's almost legal light. We got two more minutes. Boys. Smelling salt, let's go. Oh, yeah. Hold the line. Load up. Here they come. (laughs) (laughs) Hit that saw when you're paused in the draw. Yeah, just just. give it to me, Ejac. Hit me, Ejac. (laughs) Ejac actually, dude, sewed up. Great hunting partner. Awesome dude to go on a trip with. But he was calling my range, dude, because I was so pinned down with his bull. Ejac was actually... Uh, had his rangefinder out and was like, you know, 45, you know. I was like, 
get my dial, you know, dialed to he's like forty six. So he was he was essential. He was sick. Yeah. Good stuff, Scotty. All right. Well, thanks for coming and chatting with us. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And thank you to everybody that tunes in. Thank you to all of our Patreon members. We couldn't do the show without you. Thank you to all the sponsors. We appreciate you guys, and we got another episode coming at you next Wednesday. Over and out from the bomb hole. You.